And we're back. I'm James. This is the Goose Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. <laughs> you get weirder every week, I yeah, think. Yeah, this intro is getting strange. Kids never... <laughs> Kids are weird forever. Yeah. The, yeah I think the, the, the microphone stuff... Uh, gets uh that's a good point. That means that we're weird too. <laughs> Gets more worked up. You're bearing your own sins from your childhood. Yeah, it's all payback. So, guys, yes. Speaking of, that's Coulter. Hey, are you guys, rec- are we recording? It is rec- I, I had the greatest time last time. Forty-two. I forty-three. Coulter brought Timer's running. a secondary recording device. I did. I, I did. did. Yeah. Let's, let's get it going. I better run that thing. <laughs> Got Just that going. Case. So we if, we, if we fail it, we're going to have everything but the intro. It's going to be great. Um, James, so I don't want to talk about the game this weekend. Do you? No, I don't. So there's another Grizz podcast. Did you know this? Yeah. Been in it a few James years. James doesn't have a log into eGrizz yet. It's probably good. I can't <laughs> You can? That's a can? All I'm going to say is apparently there is competition out there in the kids being brought into the intro of podcasts. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Wait, did someone... Hold on. Did someone copy our child exploitation? Blatant (laughs) ripoff. Well... That's troubling. James. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. James, there's only one you, James, and you're the best at it, okay? James, do you have have you employed legal representation yet? No. No, okay. Um, how'd your last football game go, bud? Good. Um, it went well. Everett Grizz, one of our followers, wants to know if sometimes in the huddle you say, forget it, I'm going long, when you hear a play is called. No. Like James, we need you to run a curl, and you're like, "Nope, no." James, wait. Are you the quarterback or the wide receiver? Tight end. Tight end. Nice. It's a great position. Future of football. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if there was any other questions for James. I didn't see any. Should we get your picks real quick, bud? You want to pick your teams? All All right. right, James. Who do you got this weekend between Northern Arizona and Sac State? Sac State. All right. I like it. How about UC Davis at Cal Poly? UC. There you go. Northern Colorado goes to Southern Utah in the I No One Cares Bowl. <laughs> Wolf. I was going to say, that's yuck. Oh, my gosh. You want a hint? Just flip a coin. Go with Cal Poly, better coaches. <laughs> We got to make pick. It's Northern Colorado against Southern Utah, right? Or Cal Poly? Was it Cal- no Cal Poly? UC Davis is playing Cal Poly, mm, right? Northern Colorado goes to Cedar City, Utah. Southern Utah. Okay. All right. Then we have Idaho State going to Bozeman to play the Cats. Montana State. <laughs> yeah, it never feels I'm good, so does it? You, it's like so a it's like a swear word. My cousins aren't. Then we have Weber goes to Easton. All right, yeah. There you go. You already knew it. It's pretty affirmative. They don't lose too many games at home. And then we have the Grizz on the road to Idaho. Guess. 
Okay. Did you know we might go to this game? We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, but any, anything else you want to talk about? I want to go to that quiz game. All right, we'll see. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Thanks, dude. <laughs> see you, James. Oh, Great man. job by James. Um, <laughs> we love all Big Sky Conference content, and yes. I think that there's plenty of room for Grizz content out there, but uh, <laughs> got to draw the line on uh, copying James. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, Coulter. What's you, up, guys? You guys recognize the voice if you're listening. On the pod. Uh, it's recording for oh. sure. <laughs> Oh, shit. No, yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. For right. the record, yeah. it absolutely was recording last time. Trust me. Hey, dude. Mike checked it no less than every 90 seconds for the full, uh, I don't know, two plus day hours. that I was yeah. here. I, I think I made him nervous. What, uh, the, what's, what was the movie? Uh, old School, where they're doing all the games at the end. And he's like, you can't be freaking out. I think I just made you too nervous, Mike. It's my fault here. Well, dude, it's clearly my fault. Cheers. It's the, it's, the, uh, it's the biggest flaw of cheers. audio. Because I will say this. Like, I have definitely I've worked in print, audio, TV, all of the above, and uh, I've definitely been that guy that has written. A, I'm not gonna say epic story because if I have an epic story going, I'm like saving every 14 seconds, freaking out. But I've definitely taken like a pretty solid, just like daily middle of the week story, deleted it. It's okay, salvageable. You still got the quotes, like you're good. Like might be an extra 90 minutes of work. We can do it if as, long, as, as soon as you stop crying about it. You go, just rewrite it, whatever. TV, you can always do a retake. That stuff's only 90 seconds long anyways. Yeah, that's true. The audio, even if we could have salvaged it, it would have been so miserable for people to listen to because Tommy probably could have, like, pulled it off the back end and made it, like, this tinny, like, almost salvage. What I'm saying is the number one thing I had to learn working in radio and audio is that, like, when it ain't good. Let it go. Let it go. Yep. Oof. We had some good takes, though. Man. Yeah, I mean, we tried to cover a couple of them the week later, but <laughs> wasn't it the was, same. It was fun, though. Yeah, we did. That's what I said. I just ended up being drinking with my buddies so, talking about football. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I feel like this is sort of like when the Ghostbusters um, cross streams. Like all four of us are here. It's like you never cross the streams. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but we're crossing the streams tonight. Why don't they make movies like Ghostbusters anymore? <laughs> they do. It's they Ghostbusters do. Part Two. Yeah, there's one coming. Okay, okay. So let's take it on a completely off the rails tangent already. Yeah. Uh, my brother gave me such a good present for Christmas. Uh, shout out to Brooks. Uh, thank you for trying to salvage all my passwords tonight. We'll get into that. If you hear the typing, uh, there's a reason. But uh, he got this book called The Big Picture, and it's all about the evolution of the Hollywood film industry over the last 15 years. All right. And we're all of a similar age where we remember if you went to go to, you would look up, you say, okay, it's a Saturday. I'm going to go to a movie with my girlfriend, my wife, my family, my kids, whatever. And there would be like one of each type of movie that you would go to. You could go to a horror movie or you could go to like a blockbuster, a thriller, a mm-hmm. crime movie, a drama. Like if you want to cry or you want to feel a love story or you want to be scared or you want to be thrilled, whatever. There was... You know, you go to the Carmike or whatever. There was one of each, if not like a couple yeah, of each, yeah. right? 10, 12 movies on the docket, whatever. Yeah. For everybody's taste. Now, the only movies you can see in theaters or that you would ever even go see in a theater are these the, massive the $500 ones. million yeah. Dollar yeah. blockbuster. And it was all about how did that happen? Mm. Mm. And like part of it is the Netflix industry. Sure. You know, all the best writers, directors or dramas or, you know, anything like that. 
that's a series now. Right, yeah. It's not a, you know, why would you make one two-hour movie when you could make like a 60-hour movie like The Sopranos or right. Breaking Bad or yeah. The Wire or whatever? Uh, it's just interesting to see how it all evolves. How do we huh. get onto this, though? How do we get onto We were talking about oh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, right. So why don't they make movies like Ghostbusters <laughs> where it's funny because they do. They do, right? Right? They, they do, just the remakes. Yeah. But that's what this book's thesis was, was it either has to be something that could be extravagant. It was all about mm-hmm. how, like, basically the entry point to the book is how Sony saved themselves because Sony was getting eaten alive by the other studios. Yeah. But then they bought the rights to the Marvel movies, and now Sony rules everything. Because they took the risk so they could have this never-ending string of blockbusters that don't have like an end date. Mm-hmm. Because you could just make the same movie with different characters and a different bad guy and a different, you know. It's yeah. James Bond just repackaged in a 21st century model, right? <laughs> okay. Anyways, Ghostbusters. Hopefully the uh, wires don't cross. Well, <laughs> there is only one Chris Van Pod, and that's what you guys are listening to right now. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. <laughs> We appreciate it. Guys. Oh, my God. <clears throat> this is kind of fun. So <laughs> I, this week, let, I mean, let's talk about fun things before we dive into oh whatever it is we're going to talk about. Seasonal depression. So this week they honored the 2001 national champions. Yeah. And I crashed the team social <laughs> and had a great time. Bet you did. And I met. Who was your favorite? Um. Well, I mean, Colt Palmer took me, so I've got to right. say Colt right. Palmer. You were Colt Palmer's yeah. plus one? No, well, his <laughs> family was. and me and Stacey. And he's like, just, you'll be invited guests. Come with us. And I was like, sure, there's not going to be like a list there? And he's kind of like, whatever. It worked out just fine. Shout out to all the Grizzly athletic staff who probably kind of looked at me. What are you doing here? <laughs> and didn't say anything and just were nice. Uh, great conversation with Eric Tabor, saw Sunberg. It was great. Um I got to meet Luke Rounds in person, though. Yeah, yeah. Because Luke Rounds, one of our biggest fans um, out here at the Grizz Fan Pod, uh, a Missoula boy, but he lives in North Dakota now, and yep. he was yep. on that national championship team. So it was great to meet him in person. It, oh. it cracked me the hell up that one picture that you sent where Joe Glenn's addressing the room. Shit. And you're standing well, right next to him. Britt, <laughs> Britt knows me really well, and we do go like conventions and stuff together. And like, I do not like. Being near the attention, like I can stand in front of a room and talk about things I feel competent talking about, but otherwise I do not like the attention. And so we're sneaking up to the bar to get a drink, and then Kent Haslam grabs a microphone and starts talking, and it's like, crap. There's I turn around, there is nowhere to go. So Kent talks, and then Wayne Hogan talks. And then Joe Glenn talks, and here's my fat ass up in the front of the room, just right there. Right next to him. Well, at least you were wearing muted colors. (laughs) Blended right in. Bright maroon. Bright maroon. It worked out. And then they do a team picture, and like Colt and one of his buddies are like, just get in. No one will know. And I'm like, no. Let's not cross too many lines. Oh, my God. I got to meet Luke the next day. Awesome. He, he came to tailgate? my tailgate. Yeah, so it was funny because he was walking down uh, Campus Drive and he was looking. He was just kind of spanning out. He's with his wife and daughter, and I was waving at him. And he kind of double took, and you know how far back I am, so it's a little tough. And so when he came back around, he we kind of I saw him again. Came in and got him a beer and chat a little bit and met the family. And yeah, it was, it's it's cool to meet some more of these guys that uh, able interact say, with the pod and it, former Grizz. Exactly, yeah. and it was it was fun because he wasn't Luke wasn't the only guy on that team that I met who was like, oh, the podcast. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but also it was just neat to see all of them 
seeing each other again and like meeting families that you know obviously weren't around when they were playing just kind of reminds you of the you know this is bigger than just what's on the field and these are real people and it was just awesome to see i had a fanboy moment when i tough harris walked by me <laughs> man did i forget how handsome that man was. <laughs> i almost stole the joke and said is he not the most handsome man in the world and then you said it Oh my god, I that's got lost in his dimples. He He's still in great shape. I was like, that's tough, Aaron. <laughs> so I'm on the board of directors of the Montana Football Hall of Fame, right? Oh. Tuff was in our inaugural class. He's an excellent advocate in buildings in that area. He also hmm. has such a strong presence in the Native American community there. So we had him as one of our initial uh, inductees for his football prowess, but also because we knew he would be such a phenomenal speaker. And he's continued to at least help MC our event for the last six years. He always, awesome. gives, he always gives the prayer beforehand, the blessing on everything. And, um, well, I mean, what a guy. But, like, the first time – my brother said that same thing after I took a video of him. He's like, is that the most handsome man in the world? Like, what? <laughs> what? What's going on here? Like, this, really? you're, you're looking at this guy, you're like, wow. Okay. Good for you, dude. <laughs> yeah. A lot of advantages in life. Uh, oh, my God. oh, man. It's like Luke when it rains, it pours, you know? It's not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> so that was evidently the highlight of the weekend. Um, yeah. So you know what's interesting? I, I texted or I messaged this to our Big Sky Conference kind of podcast network guys. Um, but I woke up Sunday and, you know, we went out, hung out with some friends and families after the game and, you know, had a good night and, you know, kind of let it go. And yeah. Yada, yada, yada. And I woke up the next day. And I just didn't care. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, and I obviously like I'm a wait. Fan, what what do you not care about? I mean, usually a loss like that will bother me on Sunday. Well, I know we're gonna get into all the uh, ins and outs of we're it. We're gonna but, make this bother you. Well, I was but, going but, somewhere. Yeah. But flatly, like Montana got outplayed and outcoached, so well, it's easy to compartmentalize. But here's the yeah. thing. That's the thing. It was just like so obvious. Like it's not really that mysterious. Shit, they, they got outplayed and outcoached. They got outplayed and outcoached. They lost. So maybe that was it. But I also kind of have this realization, and I think it's kind of a bummer. We've been mediocre to above average for so long now long time. that I don't know that I had expectations that this year would work out like we were all excited it would work out. Like I feel like in the back of my head, I knew we would stumble a couple times, and I think that's kind of a bummer. I want to get back to that place where it's like I legitimately feel like, oh, my God, like I don't know. I just It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, they're all in deep thought. Yeah, this is fun. well. You shared that comment, and it was. I, I don't know. I, I, it is. I mean, we've been able to um, experience and uh, more losses and things like this in games where you know, um, especially these last kind of couple of years. I, 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 I don't know. I woke up still feeling kind of disappointed. It wasn't like the. Uh, you know, after the 2018 cat game, where you're replaying, yeah, that, where you're like <laughs> that it, goal to go, and maybe like that's over exactly over, it. It's like but, you just, yeah. I, I didn't like, I didn't wake up feeling like my heart had been torn out of my body. No, no, I, I was so sad, guys. <laughs> we, I mean, one of the things that I really appreciated about Eastern when that game was like how dominant they are at home. Yeah, and I thought for sure this is a. One of the challenges on our yeah. on our schedule, yep. but we're at home, yep, and we're gonna play differently at home. And apparently, that doesn't mean Jack anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, not that, 
not this year, it seems, but I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, like after the Eastern loss, like, I mean, we talked about this um, the week after as well, too, since, uh, but, um, you know, it came down to a couple of plays and it was right there in Cole Grossman's fingertips right at the very end and an incredibly tough catch, but it was like, that was a game within reach where this weekend's game, I mean, I don't know. It was just, it was a mess. <laughs> but it was also within reach. It was, and that Bobby, was Bobby Houck's, yeah, Bobby Houck's style is going to present between three and six opportunities within each game where he will do something. He and his staff will do something to give you this opportunity to seize the momentum. And right. If you do, you'll get avalanched. When you have a big kick return, you can't have a hole. You can't have a hole. When you have another big kick return, you can't settle for zero points. Yeah. When you force three turnovers, you can't get zero points out of that. Those when the punt returner is staring in the sun and then he fumbles, you can't throw a pick on the next play. Yeah. It's they, just a lot. You capitalize on any of those things. Let's say they get, I mean, zero points. I, I would actually, I mean, this is actually a project that Riley Corker and I are working on. I would love to know what Bobby Hout coach team has gotten three turnovers and scored zero points off those turnovers. Oh, gosh. I bet you it's never happened before. I was going to say, I bet it hasn't. Um, he at point. QB Club today. QB Club was great. You know, I will say, I, yeah, I, I thought Hout yeah. did a great job. Um, it's worth the time and money. GoGrizz.com slash QB Club. But uh, he talked about how the Grizz defense knocked, got the ball on the ground five times. Yeah. And we only got one of them. Yeah. 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 And right. how big, how it's like, he's like, some, he kind of said, it's like a lot of things went wrong for us and we're going to review a lot of them. But he said, but sometimes you need the break to go your way. And it just, it, or you need to make the break or you need go to go your way. Yeah. You need to make it happen you too. Make it happen. But he did show the yeah. highlight um, of a play and then he can't talk about it. So he didn't say anything, but we watched it. Um, on the fumble they forced in was it the third quarter? It might have been I can't remember or early was, in the fourth. Yeah. Um where they called um Walker, right? Corbin Walker number eight. Yeah, they called him offsides. Offsides. Yeah. And we just watched the clip and Bobby didn't say anything, but he won offsides. Like <clears throat> it was a bad call and it yep. cost them a turnover that, so that was that was yeah fourth quarter you know yeah, well, deep quarter. into our own our own territory or their territory like it, that would have been a positive play i'll so. say it with the caveat i always say it on my radio show and our podcast there's a difference between poor officiating and bias officiating hmm. i don't accuse any of the big sky officials in being biased they're not good enough to be biased. They're just poor. <laughs> oh, it's true, though, it's man. True. Like, it's if you true. reviewed my Twitter, just go hashtag Big Sky Refs. There's at least three bad calls in every game, and this is from an objective perspective. But the, I counted seven bad calls in that game, but, and I'm not saying one went one way or the other. It was four to three in the bad calls, but yeah. it was there was yeah. seven bad calls. Yeah. The um, part of the problem, though, is the good Big Sky Refs. Gets right. Or in the big sky. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know for a fact that we lost one of the good ones this year to the Pac-12. And it's like, right. I mean, well, I don't know what you're going to do about that. <laughs> not to complain about the refs, because I don't think the refs are the reason we lost the game. No, not at all. What, what are the reasons we lost the game, Mike? <sighs> well, <laughs> all over the board. Start with the easy ones. I mean, you can't give up 31st downs, so that's a tough one. 
Um, but they were also on the field for 36 minutes, and I I don't know how often you're going to have success when your defense is on the field for 36 minutes. Well, and they they were out there for 82 plays. Yeah. And Sac State mitigated what Montana does better than anybody I've seen. Yeah, they could not get pressure until the very end. They stopped bringing pressure because they were so scared of – Sac State threw at them what they did not expect, and Bobby said that verbatim in the postgame press conference, as did Jace Lewis. I've never heard that before. So Mm -hmm. credit to Taylor. He he is a good coach. So I want to present this scenario to you guys. The Big Sky Conference is – I'm trying to think of the right word. It's very tight-knit. It's a very big fraternity of sure. coaches. Everybody yeah. knows everybody. Everybody's worked for or worked against everybody forever. Troy Taylor is not in that fraternity whatsoever. Mm. He happens to have three guys on his staff that are part of the fraternity, including two in Andy Thompson and Craig Paulson, right. who are strong members of the fraternity. Troy Taylor is completely outside the box. He didn't pledge. No, no. <laughs> but these coaches, they, these coaches sit up there at pregame press conferences and praise each other. Partially because that's part of this, the cliche tactic. Partially because they do know each other. They are friends. And partially because they're trying to hedge bets, set the stage for if something bad happens. I've never heard a single coach say a thing, single thing about Troy Taylor because he's not part of the thing. I just find it fascinating that he is so outside the box in what they do schematically. He's so outside the box in the way that he talks, the way that he interacts, the way that he mm-hmm. recruits. Everything. And I feel like all these coaches are I, – I think Bobby thought coming out of the 2019 loss at SAC, mm-hmm. hey, they got us, they knocked our quarterback out, this is going to be the, the day where we show the Grizz are back, we're going to kick these guys' asses. Yeah. And then the mad scientist who is Troy Taylor, who literally doesn't even watch the game while his defense is on the field, <laughs> literally does not watch the game. He answered a press conference question by saying that. He said, guys, I'm the offensive coordinator – Coach Thompson is the head of the defense. I'm working with my guys when the defense is on the field because I have full trust in him. I have no mm. answers to your questions about when our defense is on the field. That's totally outside the box wow. yeah. for these. And I, and I feel that's like also that's also really secure and trusting. No question. And I think that's why he is so different than all the rest of the coaches. Like, it's not that he's so superior that he's not scared of Bobby. He's not part of the thing. So he's not scared of Bobby or anybody else. He's literally running Sac State like the most high-octane high school program of all time. It's only about having fun and getting along, and there's no, like, principles and we're going to do this because yeah, of this brand yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. They're just playing football and out-scheming everybody. And at right now, here we are, year two of Troy Taylor. He's 11-1 against Big Sky Conference yeah, teams. that's right, yeah. Until somebody knocks him off, See, he is the, the dude, man. Like, he's the national coach of the year, and he's running through the league again. And people are, you know, people – even Montana fans, we talked about how Sac State was an easy game for the Grizz and all that. And I, the Grizz should have won that game, but Sac is on a really impressive run. No and, question. I mean, I think they've got all the chance in the world to beat Davis their last week of the season. Be, they shouldn't be, lose before that. I was going to say, between then and now, and there's then no they losses. will be the so we're undefeated have... co-champ, assuming Eastern Washington can win, win out. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I think that. Nobody wanted to see that coming, but like in retrospect, all they had to do was beat Montana, and they've got such a damn easy schedule. We're going to get into all these uh, games on paper. They're going to be won because guess what? There's going to be a good team that loses somewhere in in uh, the middle of Arizona. There'll be a good team that loses somewhere in the middle of Idaho. Like that's how the big sky works. But yeah. totally, I fully agree with what you're saying. Yeah. 
All right, so Mike I just find it so funny. Like today, we had the Idaho press conference, yeah. right? Bobby goes in and talks about Coach Petrino's a great coach. I know Coach Bresky. Yeah. I know yeah. Vernon Smith. Like Bobby gave it up to the guys that are Grizz guys on the Sac State step, but nobody's ever like, man, Troy Taylor, we go way back. He's yeah, got innovative yeah. ideas, blah, blah, blah. Nobody says anything about him. I feel like that's his biggest advantage because he just seriously sits there and just checkmates you. Yeah. Wow. Well, he's proven it so far. What, what were you about to say? Bruce? I was going to say, Mike said we lost just because of the defense. So is that Whoa, for the Sac? no. I'm just messing around. Holy <laughs> crap. See, this is, you got to be careful with Coulter when he's on the show because we will get off on these tangents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just sorry, started sorry. there. The fact of the matter is, we lost because our offense is bad. Bad. And it has been bad all year. It's getting worse. It is getting worse. No question. The game plan was questionable. Chris Brown. Is there a game plan? Or is there just a system? He he did not push the ball down the field. He completed 30 passes for 100 and what was it, 88 yards? Average six yards per attempt. And don't don't get me wrong, Luke. I'll, I'll... yeah, I think going. there's a lot more to this because I don't think it's all on him. I think our O-line has regressed in ways that I really can't fathom. And I think that you've got a freshman QB making his second start, and he's afraid to spend much time looking downfield because he's worried he's going to get – and then he checks down. But he, it's the whole thing's kind of – I don't know. It's a mess. Luke. I, I liked Coulter's punchy question. Like, is there a game plan or is it just a system? I think that's a really good question to answer. And I wonder if you can have a system at all or a game plan at all when your offensive line is getting nuked constantly. And it's hard, I think, as a as any quarterback, veteran or redshirt freshman, um, to get any sort of rhythm, to train your eyes to look downfield, to progress from maybe the home run route to the next plausible route, yep. down to the to, to the check down. The check down. If one out of every two dropbacks, uh, you know, you've got to you've got to roll out of the pocket, hopefully, and avoid a tackle. Like I think that's a huge problem. The underperformance of our own O line. If you <laughs> were really bored, <laughs> you could go back to one of our first podcasts and listen to our collective excitement about having a varsity O line. Yeah, yeah. They've under. Delivered. Now we have a red shirt freshman quarterback. Now we're playing like Mature high school wide receivers <laughs> yeah. who are now you know like running backs. Not even yeah. And uh, yeah, what can him. you do? Can you have a system? Can you have a game plan if your O line is paper mache? Well, here's the thing, and I'd love to get you know um, Coulter and positive Brent's thoughts on this. <laughs> um, because for the Love record, that you're here, Brent. Because yeah. that's the negative. Brent just, Brent just so said too, Chris so. Brown was bad. I mean, we heard it. It was bad. We heard. So I mean, just for the record, for anybody who says Brent, Brent never. What's, what's the date? Yeah. Ten. It's October 18th <laughs> okay. at 9:55 p.m. To, to be fair, to be fair, not to defend Chris Brown, but who on offense well, right now is good? Chris Brown. Nobody. See, who right now on thing. offense is good? Nobody. But it's like we can criticize Cole Grossman. We can criticize as a pass catcher, as a pass catcher, but not as a blocker. We can criticize Chris Brown's performance, and it deserves it. Like. There are some throws that he really missed, although I think there's a few that you guys are tearing apart on Twitter that he's not Aaron Rodgers, and he's probably not going to stop and make those throws. But I also think that we talk. it's clearly a system, not a game plan, because if it was a game plan, they would be doing things that they thought were finding his strengths, like rolling him out and saying, here, let's do this. Or do. And you know, I think a good example is, 
You remember when McKenna Simmons broke the touchdown record? Oh, yeah. Against, was it Weber? Who did he break? Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona. Yeah, yeah. And no, he did, no he, he, Idaho State. He, he Idaho fumbled State. the game oh, away against uh, Weber. Yeah, Idaho State. So, yeah. Wait, who are we talking about? Chad Chalice. Chad Chalice set was the Idaho touchdown record State. against Idaho. Idaho and, State. Idaho State. And then McKenna Simmons broke it. No, McKenna Simmons won 1917 against Northern Arizona. No, no, no. McKenna Simmons threw a bunch of touchdowns too. Like Chad Challenge and McKenna Simmons both. It was like back to back weeks because then Challenge then got, got hurt. But anyway, and I don't maybe it wasn't the record, but he blacked out. He had like five touchdown ball. passes in a game, and you and I talked about it after the game, Coulter, because it. I think now with in the with the benefit of hindsight and mentioning that NAU 1917 game. Clearly, McKenna Simmons wasn't a D1 QB. <laughs> yes, but really? the coaching staff, who's the Tim they basically Tebow. said, "This is going to be open. Do not dare check it down. Do this." And I think, and and this is maybe a good thing and a bad thing, but I think that the coaches want the QB to grow in their system so that he sees everything they want him to see. You're nailing it. And so the, they, the, the, the they premise, didn't do the anything pre- different. The premise is that he had 22 months of practicing the exact same system against what they feel is one of the best defenses in the yeah. country. Yeah. And so if he can't function in games, yeah. But it's like what 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 was the drive where maybe he looked the best all day? The hurry up. The the, the hurry up the right before form. the half. I texted yeah. you guys. Yeah, I yeah. said, "Wow, look at functional offense." Yeah. And obviously, you know, Sac State's probably playing a little bit softer defense on that. But they never went back to a hurry up, and it's like I just don't know why they they did. Well, they did once. They did once, but not in any consistency. Yeah. And it's like I just don't know why you wouldn't have tried at least tried to mess with that a little bit in the second half. Yeah, I don't know. It just I don't know. But anyway, I kind of want okay. your guys' thoughts on that. Most touchdown passes: seven. Chad Challenge, twenty sixteen, Idaho State. Six. Go. McKenna Simmons, twenty fifteen. NAU tied with Jordan Johnson, Johnson Weber State, State, Brian 2011. Ayotte, and Dave Dickinson. Yeah. yeah. And then five, we've got Dalton Sneed, Dalton Sneed, Dalton Sneed. A lot of people at five. Dalton. Uh, and Chris Brown this weekend against Idaho. I'm a little, yeah. <laughs> well, God, yeah, because Idaho's so. DBs are going to be jagging. Yeah, it's They're a, not it's a, be sprinting. We need to get good game. But anyway, so Coulter, why don't you start? And then Brent, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Okay, so, man. I don't want to take this all uh, – we're going to continue to hash this out, so I'll, I'll just answer your specific question. There's no question that the Grizz are trying to run the same system that they intended to run coming into this year, Yeah. despite the fact that Cam Humphrey couldn't run it that well, even though he's a multiple-year guy. Yeah. And that they, I believe that they believe that Chris Brown had 20 months to learn the system against a really good defense that he practiced against almost every day, so he should be able to do it. I'm not going to name names, but I talked to a very influential football mind, and he said, I cannot believe all the stuff that they're doing. Because to me, Chris Brown's single uh, fundamental flaw is his inability to have pocket presence. Yeah, He doesn't know where the pocket is. The Grizz offensive line is not making that great of a pocket, but they're making a lot more pockets than what Chris Brown is accepting. Mm-hmm. That last possession of the game against <clears throat> Sacramento State, the second play, the Grizz had a beautiful pocket. Chris Brown got all shaky, and he rolled out to the right, and then De- right uh, Dylan Cook, who had set his guy perfectly to give Brown the ability to step up and throw, he didn't do it. 
And so then he gets flushed, and then he gets gun shot because now the defensive end's chasing him to the sideline. So he checks down to Junior Bergen for a one-yard gain. The Grizz got to waste their last time out. It's just a completely wasted play. Mm-hmm. But that's all the way around. Like, I was talking to another person who was a former uh, All-American offensive lineman for the Grizz, and he said, hey, the kids just got to make it simple, step up in the pocket, yeah. just throw the ball. But that's all, all that said, this influential football mind that I was talking to was saying – why are they doing this? They should just have a playbook that's four runs and eight pass plays, and it's play action, roll out to the right, flood route across the wide side of the field, Sammy Kim, Cole Grossman, or Mitch Roberts, whatever order you want to make it. Play action, roll yeah. out, throw it. Idaho functioned with Mason yeah. Petrino doing get this for lead. multiple years. No. Just do it with get Chris Brown. And then go back to trying to get him reps in the in – the, System. And all that said, if, yeah. if 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 the grab the brass ring system that Bobby Hack wants to run, you get the big kicker turn, then you stomp on somebody's throat. You get the turnover that you need, then you take control. Then the whole thing starts to work better, and that's been one of the biggest flaws secondarily of what they're doing on offense. But I totally agree. I Bobby Hauck has said it on the record two games in a row. We have not pared anything down for Chris Brown. He's trying to empower Chris Brown by making those comments. That's just foolish. It doesn't matter what the talent – I mean, Chris Brown throws a pretty ball. He's he's 6'4", 220. He's buff. He's athletic. He looks great. Don't matter. Like, you got to be able to process it, but why not make it easy on the guy, right? Like, they should just be running ISO plays to Sammy and Kim and throwing their senior wide receiver the ball 10 to 12 times a game. I don't understand why you wouldn't. <laughs> Luke is – Yeah, <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, I, I think – I'm totally with you with that, Coulter. And, and I think – when you circle back, especially like the O-line, it's interesting because we did talk about, when we talked about Cam Humphrey, um, one of the things we really did like about what he could continually do was his presence in the pocket, was he was one maybe big differential between him and Chris when that pocket would collapse, especially in those early games. We would continually see Cam make better decisions of where to go within that pocket as, as it's moving around and things like that. And Chris is just, it's been kind of the opposite and it was kind of exponentially bad, especially in that Sacramento game. Um, but I, I, you look at the whole thing. It, it's, I mean, it kind of like what we're talking about. I mean, can you, could you have anticipated that you're going to be down five, four running backs that you're, line of three seniors and of all this right size is just it, you know like I didn't think they cannot, anticipated any of cannot, this. I think that's why even keep your QB can, can't keep a three man rush off your QB. That's for why more than that's why they're in such seconds. a state of disarray. They didn't so, consider any of this. Yeah, and so it's like I think it's it, it's I mean it's overly I, I don't know like it's to the way you kind of pull this apart and, and critique some of these things. It's like it's been just kind of a comedy of all, all sorts of errors and things like that and injuries and issues and then yeah and like Colt to your point there is it's a damn good point like I'll, why don't we just simplify this are we having a different conversation if like two breaks go our way yes I think we're dude having... here's the thing though yeah. let's, let's consider this not this Cam dire. Humphrey doesn't throw two fourth quarter interceptions against Eastern Washington and Chris Brown doesn't throw a pick in the end zone after they block the punt there's a very real scenario where Montana is Five and zero oh and number one in the country, and yeah, so and so three plays. We're like a few plays away from five and zero, oh or yeah, six and zero. Oh. And, and I I'm, guess it would be six, six and zero. Oh. Right. I'm not saying that a lot of these uh, foundational cracks, like won't wouldn't still be there, right? But there's a lot of houses sitting on pretty shitty foundations. Am I right, realtors? No, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, but what what I mean <laughs> what I mean to say is there could still be you know some some nuanas type some clicksby type out there who is looking at some of the X's and O's and being like, oh, a really great team could scheme and wreck our day. But this team's undefeated, and the rest of Grizz Nation is walking about happily. I I I don't want to take giant like dumps on this team because we are so close, and I That's wonder if point. if because Chris Brown is so young, and those young people like tend to make larger leaps and bounds in between weeks, and you know even parts of seasons, months that maybe we're being a little bit alarmist because at at, at heart we're all fans and what do you think the beauty of the fcs level is the only thing that matters is how you play after your back gets pressed against the wall and you play your shittiest game that's it that's That's all people forget man 2019 montana state third weekend of october they go to north dakota and they lay the biggest egg i ever seen and they lose 12 to 10 with nobody doing nothing yeah. Nothing. Worst offensive performance I've ever seen. Choate was contemplating Until making a change at offensive corner, like all of this stuff. What happened, though? Then the Bobcats get a couple cupcake games. They win 45 nothing, both of them. Then they're rolling. Then they catch lightning in a bottle. They smash the Grizz. They get the best draw in the playoffs in the history of the big sky. And bam, they're in the semifinals. Yeah. It all changes. You never know. You absolutely oh, never know. Okay, Coulter, I didn't think oh my, my optimism was going to come from you. <laughs> I thought it was going to come from Brent. But I don't want to call Idaho a cupcake game. But oh, guess who has a me? series of cupcake games? <laughs> did, you, did, you guys watch, did you guys watch the Idaho game at all? Have you guys watched any highlights? I have I'm watched going a few highlights. I'm going on Tubbs in the Club tomorrow. So I'm doing the podcast rounds nice. this week. Nice. Uh, I love it. Dude. You make sure and yeah. shout out the dude, one of your favorite bad football. Dude, bad football. Dude, the last touchdown that Eric Berrier threw to Andrew Boston looked like me and you guys warming up in the backyard. <laughs> like he took the snap, he calmly cocked it, he calmly threw it, and Andrew Boston, while jogging, caught a 37-yard touchdown or whatever the yardage was in stride with zero effort and not one Idaho guy on the screen. There was n- so there the, was no effort being put forth the by the Vandals guys, whatsoever. I was going to say, the Tubbs guys would tell you they're pretty sure that team has quit on Petrino. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't say too much, but there's a lot of stuff that are going, that's going around like right now about yeah. uh, what's going on. In Idaho. But, uh, I mean, dude, you score three times, you still get beat by 50. That's profound. That's, that's amazing. And Berrier <laughs> had a better first quarter against Idaho than any Grizz QB has had games this year. And games, missed, games since when? In 10 years. Yeah, I mean, didn't he throw for 300 plus? Yeah. They scored Four 30 in the first quarter. In the first quarter plus. I mean, just like. Dude, he threw we for were 600 we were, yards in that game. So, so I, I got myself a little iPad now. As they're sitting on the table right it's here. Is it, wait, is this one synced anywhere? Yeah, 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 I know. It's, it's ruining yeah. my life. But I, I, I love it now, though, because I got my live stats up on the iPad. So I can just roll on my Twitter on my computer, watch the game. It saves me some whatever. But we always put, now that you got the screen the screen, we always put, like, whatever the best Big Sky game is up there. Yeah. Because I sit in the front row of the press box. But, like, all the guys from Montana and stuff, they're always wondering what's going on. Oh, yeah. So I had the Eastern game on there. 
So we had like a little friendly over under going. Like, is Eastern going to score a hundred? Because they had six. They had sixty four midway through the third quarter. Yeah, sure they did. I mean, Barrier didn't play the last eighteen minutes of that game. He's threw for six hundred yards and seven touchdowns. Like I know part of this is God. the league being bad, and the part of it is Aaron Best not having any shame on running it up on people. Right. But if Barrier just keeps throwing, I mean, dude, he's throwing for almost five hundred yards per game. They had eight hundred thirty six yards of total offense. Like, could he get Heisman votes? The Grizz fan podcast. I mean, like, let's say he throws for 6,000 yards and 70 touchdowns. The Grizz, <laughs> the Grizz fan pod question, got, got into it on Twitter with a so, southeastern, southeastern Louisiana, Louisiana fan. Um, Cole Kelly. Because yeah. Cole Kelly is, is a better pro prospect. Congratulations, guys. You're right if you're listening great. to this. Yeah, he's six, but seven. he doesn't mean he's a better player. <laughs> it doesn't Dude, mean he's a better player. For what Eastern does on offense, and this is this is crazy. He's, Eric Berrier is about to be the seventh quarterback from Eastern in the last 20 years yeah. to win Big Sky Conference MVP. And he's the best one out of all of them for what Eastern does. I'm for, not saying he's the best pro prospect. He's not going to go have a 10-year career in the CFL like Bo Levi Mitchell, although he might. But for what Eastern does. Eric Berry is the best guy they ever had. That's crazy to yeah. say. And I mean, th- this guy on Twitter was like talking about how it, he just gets it in tunnel screens and what like that. And we were just like, you haven't watched no. Eastern Washington no. So <laughs> he takes Chase Lewis to the face in a and throws a yard bombs. In a rare moment of of Big Sky Conference unity, we we went out there and kind of pointed out. Do not disrespect uh, Eric Berry. I mean, like, you go, you, you go watch. You go watch the first, the first throw, of the, the the first deep throw, of the first drive against Montana, the first deep throw of the second quarter, and the first dagger throw in the fourth quarter. All three of those are perfectly dialed Montana blitzes, where Montana's best players are lighting Berry yeah. up, and he is no laces throwing it off his back foot with his eyes closed. I'm not saying it's luck at all because the dude did it three times in one game, let alone he's done it for his whole career. I mean, at some point, proof's in the pudding, right? He's about to shatter Matt Nichols' all passing records, total yards records. I mean, dude's going to break Vernon Adams' touchdown record. I didn't think that was ever going to happen. He's going to shatter it. He's going to obliterate it. He's doing it without his best wide receiver right now. I'm glad he's a senior. Man. (laughs) Thank I God. want to know what happens there after. Oh, it's going to be somebody else. That's, I mean, that's what Eastern does. Just get another guy to quarterback true. in. No, it's it just the way he like sat and scored all the and still had the stat <laughs> line was kind of reminding me of uh, Mike Chavez in high school. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember this crazy. Do you guys remember Mike Chavez? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. played for Hogan, right? Kidding? Did he play for Hogan? LeBron James of Montana. He, of, no, he didn't. Oh, he, no. he played Save for Heart Butte. No, Heart Butte. He played, played everywhere, Browns. man. He went to Heart Butte and he went to Browning. Yeah, that's right. And he came to no. Missoula. And I, I happened to like play, play against him a few times in my career. And Yikes, he was <laughs> so fucking good. Dude. <laughs> but his Dude, he was on TV. This was like 10 years before SWX. Like, Mike Chavez was on public access Montana television. Like, I was watching this in high school all the time. Like, I watched four Mike Chavez games in high school probably. <laughs> yeah, it was before LeBron James. Like he, he he was seriously like the LeBron James of Montana, man. It was like this kid scoring like 39 points a game. It was insane. And I remember when, he, uh, when his career wrapped up, uh, the Great Falls Tribune had this big, awesome, like, multi-page spread on him. And the stat line was nuts because it was, like, 32 points a game, like, 11 rebounds, like, 9 assists. And then it was, like, 
did not play four. He averaged like 24 minutes. Or no, no, no. Because it's eight minute quarters. So it was like 26 minutes a game or something. He sat out most of every fourth quarter. Fourth quarter because it was over, yeah. And that's what it kind of reminded me of. That kind of dominance. Yep. So we got sidetracked on Barry, which I think is a worthwhile conversation. But let's circle back to kind of what we're talking about, (laughs) which is the Grizz haven't had a quarterback even – 65% 65% of Eric Berrier in a long time. Since when? Craig Oaks? I would say... Craig Oaks is more than 65%. I would say Jordy right. Johnson's best year. I think that's probably the best year. He's what, like 50% of Eric Berrier? Yeah. But here's the thing. like, So where I was going yeah. with this, and we're kind of talking about this, um, you know, a lot of people are jumping on Brown, and he's played bad. Yeah. Uh, KB12. 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 I, I think... I think that he hasn't been put in some good good positions. But I also think people need to calm down. And it's like the only way he's going to develop pocket presence at the college level is playing at the college level. Yep. And people for it's just he that was his second career start. He's a freshman. You know, Dalton Sneed, for as much as we liked him, you know, he flamed out at UNLV. Went to a JUCO, you know, played, got better. Cam Humphrey is a redshirt senior with his first starting opportunities. You know, he did not start a game until Dalton Seed was hurt his junior year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people forget, like, the only way these guys are going to make some of these improvements is having it happen to him and learning from him. So what happens this week in film is so important for Brown. But, so you give him that much grace even though they had an extra year to prepare? Well, I, I, I think that you can talk about all the preparedness in the world, but it doesn't match game snaps. But where I was going with this sure. was it actually – I said it on the pod at the time, but it makes me more annoyed now that they just wasted that Portland State second half. You remember oh, that? Oh, in the preseason. Yeah, in the in the spring season when they just like they maybe let them throw twice and they ran the ball the entire like second half. Straight. You were lighting up Twitter while this was happening. And it's like, yeah, how did they not see this coming? That it's like their starter is a senior who just got hurt, and the only backup they 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 have no backup that has any college Division one experience. And they didn't get him legitimate reps that mattered. And then this year, in games that they could have pulled Humphrey, they didn't get him legitimate reps that mattered. So it's like, to kind of Coulter's point about their system and stuff like that, I just don't understand what the hell they were doing. It's like they just thought, whether you want to argue that Brown's better than whatever, it's like they never thought of the possibility that Humphrey might get hurt. I wonder if they thought Humphrey... Also needed those. Rounds. Well, that could very well <laughs> could be, be part true. of it, and he did, and he did need those, and but still does. But the, then, only, so, the only thing about the Big Sky Conference that's different is Montana's not sitting on top of the standings. That's the thing that's in their face right now. The egg is everywhere. Yeah, yeah because that that came up on our text thread. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the, I mean, you're, you're asking why they didn't consider any of this because they thought they had the formula that they were just going to straight run through the league. I think it's one of the biggest narratives about Saturday. Not one person I knew that was affiliated with the Grizz was talking about Sac State as any sort of an obstacle. After they played Eastern, whatever. We got a cupcake schedule until the Cats. I heard that from every person, athletic department or otherwise, associated with the Grizz. They didn't think that Sacramento State, the defending Big Sky champs, the team with the national coach of the year, the team that's lost one game since the beginning of 2019, was any sort of a challenge. That's why they didn't consider this. So if Chris Brown 
throws 10 to 15 more passes against Portland State, do we win yesterday or two days ago? I think that's just a stupid question. And basically what you're trying to do here is make it seem like, you know, I'm irrational. We got to get off the quarterback thing, man. The quarterback is – every single thing in their offense is going bad. Everything. Yes. Everything. Everything. So it's not about one guy. Yeah, this isn't one guy. Every element you can diagnose of an offense is going Do I think the coaches made a mistake? I do. And I've said that. Yes. Consistently. I have optimism. And do I still think that Brown can turn into a good quarterback? I do. I do too. I do too. He's really No, you're off the charts. No, he's you're really smart. I think he's a quick Sit learner. Sit down, Brent. This, Luke and I are on the KB12 future. KB12. <laughs> this is this is uh this is 05 Colbert with all over again. So it's a need, really good comparison, we just, need, Brent. we just need Josh Walker to come ooh, in here next year. You can year. come back. Can yeah, come except back except here. for guess what? <laughs> Everything about what Cole had at his disposal was significantly better than what he Montana had has, except line. the receivers. But they weren't trying to reuse the receivers. They had Lex day. Hilliard. They didn't. They didn't. Need well, they're not receivers. really trying to reuse the receivers now either. So <laughs> it's been such a weird <laughs> offense. Like so. So what happens if there's this real narrative that the stubbornness that exists from the head coach on down is the same thing that's existed within Grizz football for ten years that Bobby Hawks led the team, but. When Bobby Hack was being stubborn and saying, this is the way we're going to do it. This is yeah. the way we're going to do it on offense. It just so happened that when he was being stubborn and saying we're going to hand the ball off 45 to 50 times a game, they were handing it off to Lex Hilliard, and they were handing it off to Justin, Justin Green, Green, and they were handing Chase it off Reynolds. to Chase Reynolds. Yeah. And they had all five starters as all-conference players, and now they have not one first-team all-conference guy up front. And they have five foot eight hundred sixty-five pound true freshman playing running back. Maybe the stubbornness is the thing that's got their heels all the way dug in right now. And you bring it back to the game. I think we were kind of texting about this too. Andy Thompson knows about that stubbornness, right? No question. And so that's the normal storyline so out of the game. You look at you look Andy at Andy Thompson wanted you, to show out in front of all his boys, and he sure did. And he sure did. Like, you look at this. So Andy Thompson went in this game and he said, "I know we can pressure with three to four guys. Yep. I know they're not going to pass the ball more than fifteen yards downfield." Or the quarter, or we just rattle this guy a bit, and it's going to be all check down. So we're going to give him that because we can run up and make the stop. And I know they're not going to run for 150, 200 yards on us, especially if we can, if the often injured Xavier Harris is going to play and he's right. out the whole second half. And it's right. like they can't do shit. All we have to do is just keep it in front of us, make a tackle on the check down, and we're going to hold him to a couple scores. And that's exactly what they did. It is, and um, worked to perfection. So it just goes back to, I just, why would you not scheme to get your guys in favorable positions? I I never finished my point about this renowned offensive mind. He was saying, this is easy. You just pare it all the way down, and then you just, he, this guy asked me, he said, what's Chris Barron good at? What have you seen him be really good at? He said he's pretty good at play action, rolling out to his right, making short to intermediate, maybe a a little bit deeper crossing patterns. Like if he's rolling out and he can throw on the run, it's a pretty mistake-free throw that he can make. He said, great, that's what I would do. I would run that play over and over and over and over again. I think this is is not a Grizz thing. It's not a Big Sky Conference thing. It's a college football thing. I think these coaches realize they're coaching kids, so they try to mitigate – the, the margin for error as much as possible. Therefore, that's why you run a system. 
But what are the guys at the highest level? Look at the NFL and look at high school compared to college. Everybody in college wants to run their system. They want to run, blah, blah, blah. We're getting all these guys involved. We're so innovative, blah, blah, blah. In high school, what do you do? You put Zach Cruz at quarterback and just say, hey, buddy, <laughs> we're going to win. Zach Cruz plays quarterback. He plays DN. <laughs> yeah, That's what well. he does. He's yeah. a little central. They're undefeated. Like they say, Cruz, you go make all the plays because you're the best player on the field. At the NFL, what do they do? Oh, there's our mismatch. That's who we're going to. What did That's the it. Cowboys do last night? Threw the ball to CeeDee Lamb until they got until that mismatch <laughs> won them the game in overtime. That's what you do. And I think it's crazy that in college they don't do that as much. You want to know what Montana State's doing better than anybody in the entire country right now? Um, getting the marketing. I don't getting know. their getting their dudes getting the <laughs> getting their best dudes getting their best dudes in positions to make plays. Period. Yeah. Yeah. You can talk about depth and rotating all that stuff. Guess what? The best ten players at Montana State don't come off the field. Period. Yeah. Are they tired? No, they're twenty-one. <laughs> Let your guys make plays. I'm just saying, man. It's like when they were used to be talking about load management with Michael Ogine for the Grizz basketball team. It's like, dude, just let dude, it go. This dude does not need load management. This guy's like one of the elite athletes on the earth. Like he's not tired, dude. Just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just play this guy. I just wasn't it amazing how open Sac State schemed guys. Like right? They I don't know what their passing percentage was for the game. I should probably go look it up. It wasn't as good as ours. It felt <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. Stats I mean, are for losers. It felt, 20, Twenty-five for thirty-eight. It felt like they went a hundred percent for a while there. It's like anytime they needed a guy, 60s, they, he was open, and not 65%. just like barely open, like really open. I really respected their uh, the the ballsiness to just say, "Oh, we got one on one on the outside." We're going to throw it out there, and someone's going to make a play. So I have an open-ended question for all three of you guys. In my mind, one of the biggest advantages the Grizz have when they're coached by Bobby Houck is the intimidation factor of Bobby Houck. What if Sac State just doesn't care? Because that's what I saw. Well, here's the thing. Troy Taylor doesn't know who Bobby Houck is. He doesn't care who Bobby Houck is. About waking up the day after the game and kind of realizing that my expectations weren't quite as high as they used to be as a fan – I don't think the Big Sky Conference is intimidated anymore. But I think that I ship think the, is sailed. I think the dudes that know Bobby are, but but so, sort of. Aaron Best isn't scared of them. I was nope. just about to ask that. The Washington, I mean, not in the conference, but Washington Huskies coach didn't even know who he was. Well, that was a miss. Yeah, they they completely. They were just unprepared. Yeah, but I mean, well, well Jimmy Lake, I don't think that many people sure. know who the Washington coach is, and he ain't gonna be the Washington coach much longer. <laughs> well, that's what I'm so saying. True. Like the DBs coach from Montana State, circa 2005, during like the Kramer scandals. Like, it's amazing that guy's the head coach of Washington. I'm not trying to say too much, but like, <laughs> man, like Jimmy Lake's getting fired the end of the year, and the Washington win's not gonna look that good by the time this season's over. Like, doesn't Washington matter. Already doesn't. Doesn't but, matter. No, I totally agree. I, uh, <laughs> all I'm saying is that. The Big Sky Conference, the only difference is the Montana's not on well, top. I feel like that was a we, severe underestimation. Like when Bobby Houck was in the league, the person, and I'm not saying uh, he, the premise he was going at is true. I always say that on this show, on my show, every show. Expectation of excellence is the thing that was missing at Montana. That's what Bobby Houck brings back. That's why he is the right guy for Montana. I'm not saying there's anything but him being the right guy for Montana right now. But I just think that Bobby Houck used to beat. Scott Dowling and uh, Jeff Zamberland and Steve Mushegian and Ron McBride. And that's not yeah. Troy Taylor and Jay Hill and that's Rob true. Fennessy. And, like, Idaho State is bottom don't part put, of the league. Don't put Rob Fennessy in that group. Oh, but Rob Fennessy is 
a billion times better than Jeff Zamerlin. Dude, Rob Fantasy's yeah, won more games. Rob Fantasy yeah. won more games than Jeff Zamerlin won his t- entire time at Idaho State twice in one season. <laughs> and Fantasy's only had one winning record there. Like, Zamerlin won six games in seven yeah. years. Like, Scott Downing won eight games in seven years in Northern Colorado. Like, th- these are not the same coaches. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I think it's a good point. When when before we started recording, I think the biggest difference is the dogs on the field, man. Like you do. Twenty years. Like are, are we had. The, are you saying across the conference? Across the conference, on our damn team. Yeah. Like when we we just had it. So elaborate up, on that a little more. Up close and personal, we saw the 2001 national championship team. Sure. I really enjoyed the picture of the, our five offensive linemen and their picture 20 years ago. They're all five dudes from Montana. Um, we follow up those like teams with running guys, dudes and running backs like Lex Hilliard, Chase Reynolds, right? Coulter, you were saying, you, you did this research. When was the last time we had a first-team all-conference offensive lineman on this team? I think it was Danny Kissler back in 2012. Right. Where's our dudes? Where's our guys? And that's uh, we could do a whole podcast on that exact element. Like, where the F? I feel like we have. Or you and I did a show uh, yeah, about we did. this. Yeah. No, but, so, oh. so, so I, here, this is, uh, again, I, I'm sorry for always taking us off the rails, but here's something I've been thinking about is that. We kind of enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's terrible. The, the, uh. Because of the resource, uh, because of the, the the quality of play in high school football in Montana, because of the culture, because of the in-state tuition, because of the coaching, because of the fan bases, everything. Montana and Montana State's rosters are always going to be built upon Montana kids, both by desire and necessity, right? There's a fundamental thing that's going on right now in the state of Montana that people need to acknowledge, what Montana is providing you in terms of the quote-unquote recruiting resources that the prospects are is fundamentally different. I wrote a story last week all about quarterbacks out of the state of Montana, right? And the, the old cliche that every coach since Sonny Lubick has grabbed onto both Cats and Grizz is that we're going to get our heart and soul from Montana. We're going to get our arms and legs from out of state. That's what every coach has said forever. When's the last time there was a uh, uh, – elite player like with the exception of Troy Anderson who by the way also was then forced to play skill position for <laughs> multiple years yeah. but like the best recruits in Montana now are Gabe Solser and Junior Bergen and Caden and Taco Dowler and these 5 foot 8 175 pound slot receivers and every guy in high, every team in high school football now all the way down to Columbus, Montana, runs the spread. Yeah. And big kids aren't playing football. They're playing video games. And there is no fighting in high schools. And there's no – all – where's Andy Pedic? There's no Andy Pedic in Montana. You used to have a, a DN with a mean streak every year. If You were trying to out-recruit the Mountain West and the Pac-12 for the best D lineman in Montana every year. And now, who? where are they? There, there may be walk-on guys. Where are the offensive linemen? There may be walk-on guys. Like these teams have rosters littered full of offensive linemen that could maybe be 
There ain't no Colin Dow. Like, we were so scared of Colin Dow when we were in high school, man. Like, <laughs> our coach used to draw the thing on the board, and he would draw Colin Dow with a bigger circle. Because he's, he's, he's this giant guy. Like, where's Chris Dyke? Like, I remember playing Chris Dyke in basketball. There's no guys like that. There's no dudes like that, man. Yeah. Like, when I go watch high school football, all I, the best prospects I see are the guys that can run, which just means that this is what? Like, California? So, like, that's it, – it's, it's good that there's still a bunch of great know, athletes but, in Montana and the coaching has evolved to fit the modern system and kids are being put in position to succeed. But what Montana and Montana State need to build their program is the tough guy positions to be from Montana. Like, look at the Cats. Well, I, I think one of the best yeah. inside linebackers in the league right now is Callahan O'Reilly. He's a quarterback in high school, right? Jace Lewis, quarterback in high school. Yeah. Patrick O'Connell, couldn't get a sniff out of high I mean, Played you know what I'm baseball. saying? Like, yeah. There's not these dudes that are like but, these prodigy prospects. But it's not like large people aren't having sex and children anymore. Well, that, like, okay, so, where the so, fuck is the calling so, down? So I've, I've, talked, I've talked with, I've, I've, I've talked to secondarily. I have not actually talked to Craig Paulson about this, but I've talked have to Bobby Houck about the bedroom. So I've, I've talked, I've talked to Bobby Houck and and gotten his Craig Paulson theory about this. I've also talked to Chad Gerber about this. I've also talked to Justin Green about this. It's not as if there was ever any booming metropolises in eastern Montana, but the evolution of technology has made it so that farming is much easier and much less necessity to have massive like like to have big families. Therefore the population bases in these in these farming towns, you're from Shelby, you know there's so many farmers that are doing it with incredible technology, but there's also so many farmers that said, hey, I'm gonna get this crop production program, I'm gonna go live in Arizona. I'm cool. Like we're gonna just like regulate the market by not farming our land. All I'm saying is that Bobby Houck via this is Craig Paulson's theory that Bobby is telling me, but he's he's always saying like, even though Sydney was never big, there was always a dude in Sydney. There's no dudes in Sydney now, yeah. and if they are, they're Michael McGinnis. They're not Taryn Hillsland. Yeah. There's no dudes in Glendive. There's no dudes in Malta. There's no dudes in Miles City. There was always a dude. Like you look <laughs> at that. You look at that 2001 offensive line, right? Yep. John Skinner doesn't live in Dillon anymore. You know, like there, there's just there was. It used to be so easy to recruit. You'll get the best offensive lineman from CMR. That guy's gonna be a starter. You'll get the best offensive lineman from Helena High. That guy's gonna be a starter. Yeah, yeah. He goes, you're, get a Mike, ba- you're a Michael Murphy. You're a Pappas. Like, let's go. Like, you had all your dudes ready made for you. Those dudes aren't around anymore in Montana. Man, this is a sad country song in the making. It <laughs> is, man. It's 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 the info, it's the infiltration of technology. Montana kids used to be completely immune to it. Thatcher Slay never even, like, was a part of society until he got – and he's told me that. Like, he's cutting wood and, like, living off the land and, like, pumping his water to take a shower. This is 20 years ago. Now these kids have Twitter, Huddle, everything. Every kid has the exact same access to the thing that rots your brain that, that but this isn't just But this isn't just a Montana thing. No, it's not. It's not. But now it's like – if you're going to run the developmental model that Bobby Hack wants to run, the recruit an athlete, heart and soul. make yeah. it hard on him, and then he develops into something special. Yeah, yeah. How much is that going to actually be possible when kids can walk away so easily? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you need everybody to be bought in to finish the race, and so many of these kids aren't, regardless of what position they play. But I also just think there's a real narrative there where there's still phenomenal athletes in Montana. But because the systems are different, the coaching styles are different. Like, 
for better or worse, a lot of the old school coaches would have never let Zach Cruz touch the ball. He would just have been the dude. Right. But now Montana has a choice to make where what position they can play him at because he can't play a bunch of positions. All I'm saying is that it's just fundamentally different, and I just don't know if the the recruiting has changed like it should considering what Montana's going to bring you. Right. Well, I mean, that makes sense because we were talking about this, and it's not a knock, but it's like, uh, you know, Bob Stitt hired Germer. 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 And he's been here for eight years this time. Mm-hmm. Who have we developed on the online? line? Well, here's what's so interesting is that you do give Germer a ton of credit for the guys that were never supposed to be anything. Exactly. I mean, Kynes like Mike becoming Ralston a became starter. a pretty good player. Like, I would take Mike Rolson over the guys Montana's got right yeah. now, even though he was never recruited to be yeah, uh, and Kynes was becoming a starter. That's a big yeah. Cy Sherman played 14 positions by yeah. the time he got to be a center, <laughs> and then he was a second-team All-League center. Like, yeah, yeah. Cy Sherman is the guy that, in my opinion, the offense misses the most. I would say the biggest fundamental flaw the Grizz got going other than all of the things that we talked about was the fact that A.J. Forbes can't make pre-snap calls. Like, that's why they were so crossed up against Cal But again, Pauly. he's another guy. It's like he came here. Yeah, he transferred to Nebraska. He never played in Nebraska. Right. And it's not a knock on him. Like, he's young, and he's these guys are getting their first real playing time right now. Sure. So it's like some of this stuff, they're getting thrown the first time, and the first time they see it, they struggle. doesn't mean they're not going to figure it out. Yeah. But... Listen, listeners, let's do our part. I'm with you. Coulter's coming. Let's move to Eastern Washington. <laughs> Eastern Washington. What the hell am I saying? Eastern Montana. Eastern and Washington have some too. babies. <laughs> let's let's create the next O line. I mean, I think I think about this all the time when I'm Coulter's thinking about high school sports though. Like in the modern society where opportunity abounds for everybody, how do these class B and class C towns like how is there a repeating number of high school girls to play volleyball in Shelby, Montana? How? No one's moving there. Well, Everybody's moving well, away. There is no opportunity besides if you just maintain what your family's done forever. I just find it fascinating. Like It's a big question of mine. How well, do these towns actually sustain? What's happening in like all these small schools that were like Class C schools when I was in high school – they're co-opting, yep. and even like Shelby, who was Class B all through my high school and many years after, recently went down. In fact, I was we walking... used to talk about this on the pod two years ago when their yeah. first season. Oh, dude, yeah. I was coming into the game this weekend <laughs> from a guy who is from Centerville, and he's like, "Oh, you're from Shelby, huh?" He's like, "I remember when you guys moved down and played us <laughs> in the state championship with like 50 guys on your team and you were somehow classy. <laughs> he held a vendetta. But and anyway, they beat you. I and mean, they... God damn it, Mike. There's, <laughs> there's, there, there's the... Unbel- the pod was very Was that necessary? That <laughs> there's the I was heartbroken. There's the unbelievable phenomenon of Geraldine and Highwood, right? Like yeah, that's the greatest yeah. classy rivalry in the history of the state of Montana. Now they're co-oping. Yep. Um, Their mascot's the rivals. And I think the basketball teams refuse <laughs> the to. The rivals. That's, like, that's what they call it. Yeah. Jeff Graham's the basketball yep, coach. Yep. His wife coaches all the female right, sports. Right. But they refuse to co op for basketball. It's like that's too political. It's a like bridge too far. Bridge. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, okay. So, so this, is, this is totally off the rails. But one of my photographers at Skyline Sports, Blake Hebstead, he is very involved in the Anaconda community in a multitude of ways. Mm-hmm. He has a media company, Anaconda, providing people with high school sports coverage there, which is essential since it's like such a great high school sports town. He's on the school board, all that sort of stuff. 
But he used to tap me in during the school board meetings when Butte Central and Anaconda were considering a co-op. This was the greatest unintentional comedy that ever lived. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Oh, man. Like, the, 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 the grandpas that are alums of Butte Central and their speeches of why you can't be yeah. co-opt with the Copperheads <laughs> and vice versa, like the old school Montana. I mean, this was like a movie, man. The cinema was phenomenal. <laughs> like, it was a sin against God to these people that they could possibly be co-opted. But that's what's happening in Montana. It's true. That's oh, hilarious. Um. I want to circle something back a little bit here when we're talking about some of this stuff too. Uh, when Bobby first got back, he talked a lot about like the roster he's working with, the guys he had, and where things are at. And even though we're four years into his tenure, it's our third season, right? And I think a lot of what he was saying initially was like year four and five is a lot more where he wants to be at with some of these things when it comes, especially like some of this O line, D line type stuff. So, which lines up with his last time tenure too? It, it, yes, he it does. took over a very good and, team and got them back to the national championship. So we but. we've got this weird gap in, where they had more time. We have a new strength and conditioning coach and system that adds more bulk and weight and strength to these guys compared to where Nicholson was. So, you know, we're in year four, we're playing in year three. So, are we? I, I, and it's like an argument. I don't know if I necessarily totally believe, but it's like. Were we a little ahead of schedule, especially when it comes to a surprise win like Washington, um, where in year three, where we're still using stopgap guys, where we've got a stit recruit at left tackle, we've got transfers on the interior, and the recruits that Bobby has targeted and brought in, especially O-line, D-line, are still redshirt freshmen and sophomores, where he wants these guys to be the badass dudes when they're juniors, and we're still a few years removed from that entirely. Like, is that plausible theory or is that just bullshit so in like let, let's pretend in year five year six yeah. year seven we have uh act, actualized the return to dominance right we are dominant yeah then we'll look back on this kind of period of time and and say like oh yeah beating UW was a leading indicator like going to the quarterfinals in 19 was a leading indicator we were you know, throwing sparks from the fire that was about to catch. Yeah. That's what you're, that's what the thesis would be. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I really, that excites me. Well, and then on, so, and the other thing too is if, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I, mean, yeah, I would love yeah. for that to be the, if, the if we reverse so, engineered narrative. If the 2020 season was not postponed and pushed forward and we were four and two at this point, would we be as critical of everything going on? Or would it be like we lost a bunch of seniors and we're kind of doing some reset and we've got a lot of plug-and-play guys still at certain positions and we're playing young guys at other ones? I want to agree with you, but also nothing changes what I think is the out-coaching at times. Yeah. Like, why is that a thing? I don't know. But well, I, and well, like... I want to... No, Brent. I, I, I actually... I, deep down, I... I buy this narrative. Yeah. Mm. And the unforeseen injuries, right? Like that obviously will waylay any program, right? And you just have to, you know, at some point in time, if you're using tons of backups, tons of redshirt freshmen, like what do you do? You just can't. It's a competitive league, even though Bobby doesn't think the league's any different. (laughs) 
It is. It's very different. And uh, you can't do the same with redshirt freshmen. So I kind of think there's more truth in that narrative than uh, the Grizz Nation is currently acknowledging. I mean, it's, um, but it's, if if in three years we look back and nothing's changed, oh my god! Yeah, that's big trouble. That's big trouble. Yeah. You're just I don't know. Grinning at us, Mike. My, <laughs> sometimes when we get off on this narrative and Coulter gets going, I start to get depressed. I'm like, <laughs> it's do we waste all this time? We're, we're never gonna get the dominance again. Yeah. But I don't buy that because it's like if yeah. I just. It was interesting because Coach Hauk at QB Club today said some things that kind of made me think like he definitely recognizes college football is different. And one, he talked a lot about how it used to be that you motivated guys by breaking them down and, yeah. and you know, building them back. Drilling it into yeah. them to do it. Da, yeah. da, da, da. But it's like the biggest thing now is confidence, and you need to find ways to pour confidence into people. Because if they're confident, they're going to do things even if you guys didn't practice it. Like, yeah. you know, that confidence is like the thing. Yeah. And he was saying some other stuff too that, of course, now we've talked about so many things that I'm not going to remember in the same way. But he was talking a little bit about um, um, how, you know, if this, is the, if, if this is what teams are doing that we need to adjust a little bit. And I thought that was just interesting because it, it does not feel like we've adjusted. So I guess the direction I kind of want to take this now is we've talked a lot about what's gone wrong. Yeah. I, you know, maybe Cam Humphreys is back next week. I'd be shocked, but maybe. So we've got Probably Chris not. Brown for a couple more weeks, I yeah. would think, based yeah. on what the yeah. injury was. Um, so what can they do? What, what should they do? I mean, the criticisms are we don't seem to be scheming to put Brown in positions that you know, he excels at maybe a little bit of hurry up, maybe a little bit of rolling out, whatever. Um, we need to get him to push it down the field. He's checking down too much. Our wide receivers don't appear to be getting separation as often as we would like, although there were clearly times where they were open last week. Um, you know, our tight ends are young. They're not really blocking yet the way they should be, which is that happens with freshman running backs. That happens with freshman tight end. Um, they miss. We did a they lot. They miss of, Bryson Deming more than any other player on the team. Yeah, who would have thought said, that? I thought you said it was Cy Sermon. They those two. Who would have thought? <laughs> but a seven position partial the, scholarship in, guy. In the first half, especially, they tried to stick to their run on first, run on second, and we'd put Chris Brown in these third and eight or third and seven don't work. passing yeah. situations. That just like, well, the the defense knows exactly what it's going to do, and the defense played a little bit more cover two and cover four than than maybe they thought and. Brent pointed right out on the interception he threw after the fumble. They dropped into a cover two, and he just didn't read it. Yep. Should have thrown it deeper. So we haven't seen much jet sweep. Nope. We haven't seen all that much motion. I mean, a little bit of motion at certain points where they'll you know throw everybody out and change the play and stuff like that. Um, so what what should they do this week on offense? Like, what should we be – if you guys are the coaches, like, what is the offensive game plan this week? Six plays. Stretch right, stretch left, roll out right, roll out left, roll out to the right, throw deep, roll out to the left, throw the deep. That's it. <laughs> Tell me a team that's won the national championship based on scheme ever. How do teams win national championships? Better players. They, they that's it. Score yeah. more points. Better players, more better Alabama, mentality. That's Alabama, it. North Dakota State. 
That's, That's just a better roster. North Dakota State can look at you in the fourth quarter national championship game and say, hey, guess what? We're fucking running outside zone. Stop us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Say it. That's why I think these coaches are so crazy with all their secrets and all their schemes and all that stuff. Is that why Sam Houston's always good but never – well, I guess the spring hash, you know. And aspects. it's like you want to say that the spring doesn't count, and that's a whole other conversation, but they beat good teams in the playoffs. That's true. <laughs> no question. I mean, they beat all the good teams in the playoffs. Here's, here's my hot take. Good, and then you need to tell me what offense we're going to run this I'm week. Go, I'm going to do it. Okay. Guess what, Mike? We're running the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, Mike? We were um, arguably a play away from uh, winning at Eastern Washington. We are in a one-touchdown game against Sac State, even though it, it was much more um, like oppressive of a loss. Like yeah. we weren't Sac State, in who's probably going to share the conference championship. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, uh, barring like a couple coin flip opportunities going our way, we win that game. And I think the coaches look at this four-game schedule of Idaho, Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona, and they say, we have four weeks for Chris Brown and if Cam uh, comes back to – to execute our system better. If we execute it better just a little bit, we're undefeated. We have four weeks to do it before we host the Cats, um, and we're playing for our playoff lives. We're we're not changing shit, dude. That's what's going to happen. So right. what, is the, what is the better confidence builder to say, Chris Brown, Junior Berger, and all you other guys, we're going to be six plays, and we're just going to do these six plays good? Or we're gonna keep doing what we're doing, and if it keeps and if it starts working and we start going, then maybe we're amazing. But yeah. I mean, there are plays in the playbook. On the flip like, side, we don't have to not run the system. There are plays in the playbook. Yeah, that they could use and put them in better situations. Like, do they give you the playbook at quarterback club? Just look at what yeah. we've called this <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, we got the whole. But playbook. it's like no. look, no, no, look no, at the don't. stats from Sac State. Malik, Malik Flowers touched the ball once on offense, <laughs> one catch, eight yards. Sammy Akim, four catches, 33 yards. Keelan White, four for 18. I, like, what are we doing? I know it's a Grizz fan pod, and I guys hate this kind of stuff, but, like, I, <laughs> I watch Montana State every again. week. God damn it, Coulter. But, get, but, but, like, dude, Lance McCutcheon was a non-factor in the Jeff Choate, we don't throw the ball thing. Now Lance McCutcheon is one of the leading receivers in the country. Did Lance McCutcheon just get all of a sudden so much better? He did a little bit. He's a Bozeman guy. He committed himself, whatever. But guess what they do? When it's third and nine, there's no question what's happening. It goes to him. They throw the ball to Lance McCutcheon. The defense knows it. Everybody knows it. They still throw the ball to Lance McCutcheon. What what happens? They just give their best players the ball. It's like I have spent 10 years of my career – Doing what we're doing right now, talking about why don't the coaches do this? Mm-hmm. It's why the Bobcats are the most refreshing thing I ever seen. Because there's no why don't they do this? They just get all their best players in the best positions yeah. to do it, and I don't know why more people don't do that. Coulter, we, like, we ran a play for OD this week. I mean, <laughs> we tried to get our best okay, players okay, the ball. So, Robert, so again, again, going back to this this vaunted <laughs> offensive mind, he was saying, "Want to know what I would do? I would line up number eighteen. In advantageous situations, as many times as possible in the first 20 minutes of a game, and get Chris Brown going. Yeah. Every route that Sammy Akim could run, have him run it. 
Put trips on the other side of the field. Or run Sammy Kim on the inside on a flood to the wide side. Whatever you want to do. Again, because this is college sports. The allure of college sports and why stars exist in college sports is because the level that, that the star can get to compared to everybody else. There is no one like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like who was a, There is no one like a Reggie Bush that's that much better than everybody he's playing against at the NFL level or at the high school level. It right. only exists in college where you have this four-year maturity advantage and talent advantage. Mm-hmm. So screw your system. Screw your play calling. <laughs> you got a dude that's a dude? Like, what does Northern Colorado do when they have Vincent Jackson? They throw the ball in Northern Colorado. Right, What's Cooper Jackson. Cup do when they got Cooper <laughs> Cup? You, no. I mean, you, th- you don't think team's game plan for Cooper Cup? Guess what? They threw him the ball 20 times a game because guess what? He's going to win. We need Everett Grizz in the huddle just to say, <laughs> Fuck it. Okay, I'm no, going no. long. <laughs> well, and you know, you know who put their best receiver in a position to catch a whole bunch of passes and to exploit mismatches? Sac State. I said that on my pregame show before we even had the Williams results was in of the this. slot the whole goddamn game. Well, I said this on my pregame show before we, we even Graves saw Pierre Fouch. Williams. I said Pierre Williams is what Grizz fans wish Sammy Ken was being used like. Yeah. Mm. Because it was like, okay, Pierre Williams is not going to get Omar Hicksono. He's going to get Nash Fouch. So Pierre Williams thing. has seven catches for 96 yards. Six. I watched the game again last night. Six of those were post and or sit-down routes on the yeah. middle of the field where he just ran in the middle of the field, turned around, boxed Robbie Houck out, catch the ball. Cut the ball. That's huh. it. Yeah. Yep. Easy. Because they schemed to our defense, which we really haven't talked about. But they What do you, what do, you do when you double-A kid? So, first of all, yes. I, Coulter, I'm right there with you. Second of all, and this is going to upset all of you. I don't think they're throwing the ball to Sammy in the same situation because I don't think the coaches think he's going to fight for it the same way some of these other guys do. Sammy's a dude. I really like Sammy. I don't know that Sammy's as good of a receiver as we've built him up to be. <laughs> I think, okay. I think okay. Sammy's a dude. I, I think Sammy's a dude, but... Watch him. Like, watch him. Watch him out there. Like it doesn't feel like he's fighting for it every single time. And that could be a really ignorant statement. No, no, no. That's people just a part, of, that's part of You're not wrong, but, but that's a but part of the Here's where I'm going with this. It's not because of his ability. Yeah, here's where I'm going with this. Because of the circumstances. Yeah, because I and we where I'm going with this is not a knock on Sammy Kim. I sometimes wonder. We talk about like Eastern recruiting all these like skill players who are like amazing. And you used, to, you used to say, like, why would somebody pick Eastern over Montana? If I was a skill player, I would pick Eastern over Montana every day. Yeah. Because well, you can go to Eastern and be a fucking star. But, but for better or worse, what does Eastern sell guys on? That we're going to throw the ball. You Stats. are going you, to catch the ball. shine. You, you come here, you could be the next Cooper Cup. You yep. come here, you can you catch 80 touchdowns. To you come here, you can win player of the year. You can win All-American. That's and not that's not it. said in so a it's recruiting like I know pitch like people for are Montana. Freak out and I am not saying that Sammy Kemp's bad at all. No, but I'm just saying like I think it's a combination of the coaches necessarily yeah. don't think that he's going to fight for it the way, but I also think that they just don't think that way. The, you're you're going down a road that I actually think is one of, if not the primary factor of what's going on with the Grizz right now. It has almost nothing to do with any of the schematics or game calling or any of that stuff. I truly think that like this notion that we're going old school and we're going to run a no-star system and nobody's above the other people. In principle and as an old school guy, I love it. I think it's great. I also think it's fully and fundamentally unrealistic because, again, every single 
person on the earth. You grew up in Fairfield, Montana. You got a huddle on a Twitter. You got you got a platform. Period. I know that the program as a whole, they don't like it when guys are posting highlight videos of themselves, pictures of themselves. Guess what, dude? But that's you got to get over it because that's the it. world we live in. And like the, the the number 99 player on Northern Colorado is posting shit on his Instagram, man. Yeah. Like you got to get over it, man. And it's like that's why – was it Hicks Onu who kind of talks a little bit? And it's like I love it. And, Luke, you said something, and I don't know if it was our chat with the three of us or if it was another chat you and I have, but you said maybe our coaching staff being so experienced – and so old has positives and drawbacks. Yeah. And I think what Coulter just said is a drawback. Because I don't know who on that staff is really that in tune with what's going on. You know, like none of them are active on Twitter. None of them really engage with the fans. Even our young guys like Shannon, Justin Green are great guys. But you know, they, they haven't coached anywhere else. But they're, they're of that kind of same cloth. Yeah. And I'm not saying cloth. it's a bad thing. I think that the staff could absolutely win a national championship. But it, it I think that stuff matters a little bit. I mean, and you can go too far with it because that was like the Stitt oh, staff. God. Yeah. Whereas like they were playing Call of Duty with the players at night. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, because they were all the same age. Yes. <laughs> one, yeah. Like one, one, one great coach in the league told me, basketball coach told me, that there's no point in analyzing the state of society and sitting here bitching and moaning about how kids are. It is the way it is. It is what it is. You can't change it. So you have to find a way to embrace it from a healthy fashion. Like the Lady Grizz have done it in a completely unhealthy fashion. They do like these insane hype videos congratulating them for you know winning a regular season game against Portland State at home. Like that is bad. That is toxic to the the sense of self or whatever but like i'm trying to figure out a way to frame this story without throwing anybody under the bus but like i know for a fact that the grizz don't like when guys promote themselves and they're they've somehow crafted a roster where they do have like a lot of guys that don't promote themselves they got a lot of like Pretty backwoods guys from Montana that just like to go hunting and don't have Twitter and blah, blah, blah. But also, like, if you want to have any sort of skill, guys, or any sort of, like, you have to let the dudes just have fun. That's the number one one impression I had walking out of Sac State press conference. Because I asked Marcus Hawkins, the linebacker, I said, you guys are 11-1 at Big Sky Conference play since Troy Taylor took over. Why? He said, because we play loose, we play for each other, we have fun. There's no fun in Montana right now. It doesn't matter. Like Bobby Houck or anybody else could say that it's not an important part of football. We won eight conference championships without the bubble. This day and age, you have to let kids be kids because guess what? The rest of the development is real and kids are kids. So, like, you can't hate on guys. Like, if a dude makes a good play and he puts it on his Instagram, you can't hold that against it. That's just, that's just the society we live in. I, I agree. I, I mean, <laughs> I I can't I can't say if like this is a huge fundamental issue. I I could see how it could be, but yeah, I don't know. I think you got to celebrate each other. Yeah, social media is how people do it. Yep. And you know the defense, the way it was playing the first couple of games, like it felt kind of poised to like maybe be that 
a little bit of that breakthrough kind of changed the culture a little bit because they were getting so many big hits and so many. It's like yeah. that's built for social media right now. Yeah. Coulter, the next time the Grizz win and Bobby brings out uh, like a big game performer, can you ask him a bunch of in, like questions that set up? Answers <laughs> to venerate the individual and the, see. The, I, I know he the, only brings okay, out guys so, that will say, "Well, so, the team did this." But see if you can ask any leading questions. That you, say, you guys go to the game, right? Yeah, always. Yeah, in the late, in the somewhere in the fourth quarter, they say Peter Christian, you know, legendary voice, plays. Yeah, says, "Yeah, I think it's sponsored by the Missoulian. Free plug for the Missoulian. The Missoulian player of the game this week is this, right?" And uh, so. Two weeks ago, Dixie State, Xavier Harris rushed for 129 yards. Yeah. They, they'd make the announcement on the PA. The, the, one of the poor new uh, news gals, or she, she's a news gal that also is being required to moonlight as a Saturday sports reporter because they don't have enough employees. I'm not going to say any stations or names or whatever. But she uh, asks Bobby, like innocently, she says, hey, uh, Xavier Harris rushed for 129 yards. Got named the player of the game. What did you think of his performance today? And he goes, "Well, who the hell named him player of the game?" Yeah, <laughs> I know. I heard not the me. And but the, it's just like, dude, like, dude, like, and on. he knows it. Like, I he know, knows it. and it's just like he's what? like nobody like, ever alleged the left guard the player of the game, and it's like okay, dude. but it's like why are you making this point to the reporter? Because it's like the school that pays you <laughs> put that out, you know? Right. Like it's not. And, like, it's and, like and, it's you against the world, but it's even you against the. It's like some of the shit I don't understand. And this is like Cam being out for warmups last week. Right. Like he wasn't gonna play. I know. <laughs> there was multiple veteran coaches in the in the press box that said, "What's going on? What's going on? Why yeah. are they doing?" And it's all to like send, and then it's like on film for next week. So now Idaho has to pretend to think that. So I'm Cam talking Humphrey, about all these coaches you know, being so crazy, they make everything too complicated. And I was talking yeah. to a buddy of mine who used to be a high school basketball coach, and he's like, "What coach would fall for that?" And I was like, "I don't know, but he plays mind games the th- the, because he thinks it's important." But the mind we, games, but the mind games could be so much more accentuated in so much more of a productive fashion. Like I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm a better whatever. I know I'm better at PR than Montana. Period. So what I would do, <laughs> I'll is, allow it. All I would do is say, Cam Humphrey is a veteran leader of our team. He is out indefinitely. We are starting Chris Brown this week and for the foreseeable future. We love Chris Brown. Chris Brown's our guy. He's taken every rep in practice that Cam Humphrey's ever taken. And then you get up there and you get three veteran receivers saying. We have full confidence in Chris Brown. Empower the kid. Yeah. Sell him to the community. And then guess what? You still have your smoke screen. And then guess what? If Cam Humphrey comes back, it's still a surprise. Boom. You do yeah. exactly what Montana yeah, State did for Daenerys McGee when he dislocated his shoulder yeah. against SMU. They held a press conference. Rob Ash said, Daenerys is out. Daenerys made a couple comments. He said, I'm really sad to be out. And then they kept it under wraps. And then they sprung him four weeks before he was supposed to come back. And they won at Weber State. Like, you you can you you can use it. This is the thing that drives me so crazy. They don't understand. Like you can use the media as a as a conduit for everything that you want. But regardless, empower the kid. For the record, you can use the Grizz Fan Pod for conduit. Yeah, for whatever. absolutely. Like yeah. literally, you can send us <laughs> sentences we will read. Yeah. No question. <laughs> like I heard that the Grizz are doing this this week. We'll do it. <laughs> um, 
I, it's fascinating. And I, I, one of the reasons I really wanted you to come back this week, because after a loss, I just think it's always fun to dive into this. And we talked about some of these program things the last time. Defense real quickly before we move on from Sac State. Are we concerned? Are, are the issues on defense a, a factor of just the offense could not stay on the field? Or should we be concerned about, A, they could not get pressure, and, B, they were constantly open in the middle of the field? So we talked about this a bit, but I think – so the second half of the Eastern Washington game, Eastern adjusted to keep running backs and tight ends in to pick up extra pressure. Mm-hmm. Dixie State then did that too. I think I what, we, we obviously – we got to Barry a lot, but we didn't get to him a lot in the second half like we did in the first. We sacked the Dixie quarterback once – I think, although they played kind of a game intending for him to get rid of the ball quick. And then Sacramento did the same kind of thing as well, too. And then obviously, like Coulter, you're talking about playing their routes where it's their quarterback's not holding the ball for four or five seconds. Right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a quick release and it's a, it's a chip, it's a pickup and those kind of things. So I think there's, there's that aspect where um, there's a couple games worth of film to slow the pressure of the defense down. I think it's also... I would just wonder if it's kind of a morale thing when you're the defense and you're busting your ass this whole half of the season yeah. and your offense is putting up 18 points, 24 points, 21 sure. points. And But how did they lose what they had? Because they had such a huge edge. Yeah. Like we well, can, we it's a mix, right? But it's, but it's a blend. Ball. So it's a blend. It's like, yeah, yeah, you've got it still. But now suddenly it's like you're playing 36 <sighs> minutes. You're, 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 on the, you're on the field. 36 minutes to 23, sure. your offense is – even your opportunities you're creating for them, your offense is squandering them. Sure. Um, and it starts to add up over time. And then you add in as well too. It's like – I mean, Babros was back and Robertson played a little bit, but it's like we're rotating in guys that were second, third string D linemen. And we're – you know, um, I, it we, seems like a large complication of a bunch of things kind of com- building on each other. They were – our defense was on the field 87 plays against Eastern Washington, 82 plays against Sac State. Yeah. There's a lot of film on this team. And these dudes, I know they're young, but this is different than conditioning because it's a high-impact sport. Yeah. They can't. They can't bring the thunder for four quarters of this. Well, they should be able to, though. That's my biggest argument: is that they, <laughs> the, the, the what is missing is 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 you, mental. You can't mental. blitz for four straight quarters when you're on the field for like eighty plus plays. Do you want to know my one? That's insane. I know you guys hate when I keep bringing up Montana State, but you want to know my why Montana State ran the exact Tell us what Weber does. Good, Coulter. Uh, Mac, Damn it. Okay, so we were same thing, <laughs> though. Well, we, we were same thing, though, in that game. I, all the Twitter chatter was about, this is the worst game I've ever seen. These guys don't have any uh, offense. Blah, 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 blah. Want to know what both coaches were doing? Full-on dick measuring contest. <laughs> we're going to run up the middle. You're going to run up the middle. Who can stop us? Yeah. Brett Beacon said we didn't run, call anything on offense in the second half. Once we're up 13-7, our defense is playing so good, we're going to roll because we know we can go as hard as possible. And that's that's my yeah. biggest question about the Grizz. You can talk about injuries. You can talk about this, that, the other thing. This team was scary how hard they went. Yeah. They, I told Shan Schillinger in the press box before the Eastern Washington game while we were bullshitting, breaking it down, I said, best compliment I can give you is your team runs the ball harder than anybody in the country, period. They haven't done that since then. Why? Yeah. 
That's the question. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't know, dude. I just, I just think. And, that- and I think that the why is so broad, though. I really do. I think it's so broad. I think that every factor involved. Like, I think that the Grizz, we're sitting here trying to figure out this, like, fundamental issue or, like, one or two issues. I think the Grizz have, like, 17 very minor issues that are all combining to be one huge issue. Mm. Including they're really unfortunate on the injury front right now. Right. Yeah. And and you want to know one of the biggest issues is that every other team in the league, most teams in the country, every level of football – if you said our sixth-year starter at quarterback is out, our All-American running back is out, his backup and his backup and his, his backup, backup and his backup are out, <laughs> and our three senior defensive ends are all our punt either returner, hobbled our slot or receiver. not, our most popular player who's also our slot receiver and our punt returner is out, our – yeah, I mean, on down the line. Almost every team in the country you could say all that, and people would be like, well, okay, that it's very cut and dry why the Grizz aren't – doing as well as we thought they were going to do. But in Montana, because there's this podcast and Skyline Sports and ESPN Radio, and (laughs) there's this ferocious interest, we're dissecting it when it could just be as simple as they didn't play very well the last couple games and they're very hurt and they're very sick and that's all it is. This actually, this this drives me crazy when when it crosses my mind. I'm like, what if a player's going through a breakup? Because they're like a 21-year-old, and it affects Dude. them way too hard. You've said and this before. Culture, this has absolutely tweets. happened to the big sky. I'm not going to name names or teams, but there has definitely been a quarterback that got dumped and then played like trash the next day. And guess what? Like, who wouldn't, right? But, like, you're 20? But we've had – Your girlfriend breaks I, your heart? Like, I think about this at the March Madness. I'm like, I'm betting on a 20-year-old to hit right. a clutch free throw on national television. Why do I bet on the management? This is why everybody around the planet Earth thinks that Americans that worship college sports are insane. (laughs) (laughs) But you've talked about this before as well, too, where uh, like these mysterious tweets, right? And a player will tweet something out and it'll just be like, you know, I've never been so low in my life. People right. are like, oh, my God. He's he just got cut. He just got hurt in practice. And Coulter, no. you're like, he probably broke up with his girlfriend. Like, like, right? like, like 80% know, of His roommate probably made out the girl yeah. he was going after. Like. Someone ate his pizza. <laughs> right? He had a bad quiz score. Right? <laughs> but for real, oh, though, man. like it is a real thing. It's definitely a real thing. God. Well, all right. So, so what does a let, – let, let's move – because we're probably nine hours into this podcast, <laughs> but this is this is great. Well, like, this I is love like, yeah, we're giving a we are doing a uh, may I borrow the term a deep dive into the program. If anybody Ooh. wanted to know why I'm still typing on my computer, it's because all my devices suck, and I'm still trying to post the press conferences. Shameless plug, SkyandSportsMT.com. You want to no, see? No, no. You want to see the? Uh, you want to see the non uh, responses? Can I tell, tell you guys a story? Yeah, but also slow no. down because you talk faster than you think you do. Mm. Slow down and plug your shit. SkylineSportsMT.com. Uh, this is hilarious. Montana's press conferences. Um, Bobby Hout comes with two players. They've never lasted more than 15 minutes. <laughs> Brent Vegans talks so slow and is so deliberate in his responses. His press conferences last between 35 and 50 minutes. Today's came in at 48 minutes. 
it took my brother three hours to send me the file because it was like <laughs> 8.4 gigabytes or something like that. <laughs> oh, man. We have nothing on YouTube right now because Brent Vegan's videos take, I don't know, a week to download <laughs> on YouTube. That's it's hilarious. Just, just, a, just a look behind the curtain. That's there we hilarious. go. But we will have the press conferences in audio and video form at SkylineSportsMT.com as soon as, you know, I stop ruining this podcast with my typing. Nuge, you started to take us there, and, you know, we went off the rails. But <laughs> whenever Coulter's on the pod. What? Yeah, oh, no. yeah, blame it on me. You, got, you guys, the kings of three-hour podcasts. We never go off Hey, the we rails. haven't hit three hours this year yet. Yet. We've been efficient. What do you think a win looks like? Uh, for the Grizz in Idaho. How do we win this game? Well, first of all, I mean, a million to zero. A win is a win for this team right now. But I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily care so much about the defense this week, but the offense needs to score 40 plus points, right? I mean, they need to, in my mind, to, to try and right the ship, they need to put some drives together and you know get those reps. Well, in the, in the uh, legendary missing pod, I remember Coulter you mentioned following a loss to Eastern Washington, Bobby really knows how to get Grizz Nation excited and he's gonna pour it on Dixie. And didn't we did it. Similar philosophy. If we have an opportunity, we're gonna pour it on Idaho and make a big deal out of bringing the Brownstein back. What, what do we score, do you think? What's possible with this in you know this iteration of the offense. Well, after the Sac State game, Bobby was like I've never seen him before. Mm-hmm. And that's not in, like, aggression or cantankerous attitude or mean or confrontational. He was actually very demure, very um, – seemed like he had experienced some humility for the first time in a very, very long time. He was friendly. He was joking. It was incredibly strange. But he made two comments early where he said, he answered the question uh, very directly and very politely, which is a very rare situation because he almost always, no matter, even if you ask him the best question ever, he still has a jab for you to make sure he has the power. But he didn't have the energy for that on Saturday. But he said two different times early, he said, he gave you the analysis and then he said, the young guys aren't seeing the picture, and that's the story across the board. And he said it twice more, and then he said it twice again today. And he and says that the young guys aren't seeing the picture. He mentions when that's the pic- on me. When the picture changes, changes. When the picture changes, the young guys aren't seeing it. And he he takes full accountability for that. But I just wonder, like, it, it's either going to be one of two things: they're either going to scrap it and make a bunch of fundamental changes and put guys in a position to succeed, or he better figure out how to make the. I mean, he has said multiple times, "This is not like me calling him out." He has said that is my job description is to make the picture change for the young guys not be an issue. Hmm. If they can't fix that, though, then they're not going to ever win more than thirty-one fourteen like Dixie State. That's that's it, mm. or that's all. That's your ceiling. Yeah. I also. He was kind of funny. Like, Tabor had to yell at somebody or some group of people. Like, what was going on there? <laughs> but it was like, that was like comic relief because Tabor took oh, on, I thought, like, the the aggressive role. I thought 
I thought it was going to be the greatest lead to my follow-up story. <laughs> because I thought it was Sac State's celebration music. Because the visitor's locker room is not actually in Washington Grizzly Stadium. It's in the Adams Center. Adams Center. So as you're a press member, you go up in the Canyon Club and get ready for the press conference. You could always... The Sky Club, you mean. The Sky Club, yeah. excuse me. Canyon Club's in the stadium. The Sky yeah. Club at the Adams Center. and uh, Yeah. So... Um, very rare occasion, Montana loses at Washington Grizzly Stadium. But you can always hear the other team celebrating any, any and every time they do. So you hear Sac State hooting and hollering, whatever. But, you know, that's 15 minutes. And then, then Montana always lets the away team go first at the post game because they have to get on the road. It's fine. It's good. So then Sac State comes up. They do the press conference. Then they go away. So then, like, middle of Bobby Houck's press conference, music starts blaring again. I'm thinking this is Sac State partying down again. Then I realized the Lady Grizz volleyball team has a game that night, <laughs> and so they were warming up. So then Tabor could yell at them because, he, you know, he's got authority over, like, them saying, hey, turn it off. Like, if it was actually Sac State, I think they just would have turned it up and not listened at all. It was kind of funny. and yeah, Bob. Bobby even cracked, and it was like, that's pretty funny. Thanks for making me smile. Yeah, yeah. And I, he's never really done that. <laughs> I want to see KB12 take some risks this Saturday. I, I want to see him throw the ball out on field. I would love to know the stat on how many times KB12 or Cam. What's Cam's number? Two. Two. Ah. CH2. That doesn't sound good. Well, Sounds like a chemical. Well, yeah. CO2? <laughs> CH2? I don't know. Um, I would love to know how many times either of them have thrown the ball over 15 yards downfield. Well, Chris Brown threw the ball more than 16 yards down the field one time on Saturday. Once. That's once. Once. And then we once. followed up with two rounds. Our good friend Kyle Sample was tracking it for me. He was texting me the end duration of the game. I was so bad about it. Uh. I would like oh, to s- we've heard. He was copy-pasting the same text <laughs> yeah. to Mike and Brandon and Luke, for sure. <laughs> I would like to see him throw the ball downfield, take some risks. Yeah. I And you know what? I, I think we have a chance in this four-game run to really have him open up the arm a little bit, open up the playbook. Now, that's what I would like to see. I know, you know people around this table are saying, give us six plays, dude. How do we win this game effectively? How do we how do we actualize the best iteration of this team? Well, is it opening if up? If they the don't win this game, then like, yeah, then there's no. If playoffs. they don't win this game, then they might as well let Chris Brown take every snap for the rest of the season because the season is over, over, and they might as well get reps. We're in a we're then in a yeah, okay. So I, there is literally no feasible scenario in which they lose this game to me. And if they do, this is like the greatest doomsday scenario that's ever existed. <laughs> like get your bunkers packed with my food. own personal bias exists seriously because I think that it's ridiculous that Idaho is the most irrelevant team in the Big Sky Conference, but they are. And uh, I'm I said it on Tubbs in the club last time. I'm gonna say it again this time. Like. It, Idaho had a bye week when the Big Sky Conference play, and I forgot they were in the league. I didn't even include them in my Big Sky Conference roundup on Skyline or on ESPN. Just forgot. Yeah. Because they're not in the league, but they are, but they're not, and they don't compete. And how they, how are they, I don't know. It, 
The very Bobby Houck hates but Idaho as much as anything on the earth besides the team over the Continental Divide. Yeah. If they lose this game, I this is like SOS to the maximum ever. So he, interestingly enough, uh, QB Club today, Brent had the first question of the night, and I had the last question <laughs> of the night. Look at you guys. I yeah. cheered Bobby up. Um, I, you know, I kind of queued him up talking about motivation and some stuff, and what it's QB Club stuff. I'm not going to go into what he said. But he then kind of started talking about – how you get fired up for these things. And he brought that up. He's like, and we hate Idaho around here. We being like, I think he's talking about his tenures. Do not lose to Idaho. <laughs> and he was fired up. So, so let's analyze this tactic. Yeah. Today at the press conference, Justin Ford and Sammy Kim were there with Bobby Houck. I asked each of the three people that were there about their opinions on the rivalry with Idaho. Justin, you never played Idaho or any other rival. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. Sammy Kim, it's just another opponent we got to execute. Blah, blah, blah. Bobby staring holes through both of them. <laughs> Doesn't want him to say anything. <laughs> then he asked Bobby, though, and he says, Idaho's a fierce rival or oldest rival. We like beating Idaho more than anybody. <laughs> what is that tactic, though? Like, if you're going to say that. So you're now, are you pre- sure that he was staring holes through them because they weren't saying how much they hate Idaho? The point is, if you're going to empower the fan base and the quarterback club and all that stuff, and it is a rivalry, and that's what makes sports fun. And, like, I, the one thing I learned doing the Grizz Greats 1995 team podcast, I asked every single one of those guys about what they thought of, like, the distinct memories yeah. of that season. Every one of them said, Montana State, foregone conclusion, yeah. who cares about Montana State? They were Fuck Idaho. Guys. Yeah. Like, that. that's what it is. And for old school Grizz fans, that's what it is. Idaho. Yeah. yeah. Because it's that Idaho. would be like the Grizz winning the national championship and losing to the Cats in the same year. So why, but then I mean, because that's what happened. Why are you, like, not trying to if – if, if your players are like, it's a great rivalry. We can't wait to go play Idaho. We're so excited. Like, we love rivalry games. We want to beat them bad. Why is that bad? I, the the whole thing is know. so weird to me, man. Yep, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, in the interest of not having a seven hour pod, we probably should talk about what else happened in the Big Sky this weekend. Do so we want to? Should we finish just some Idaho talk and then move into around yeah. the Big Sky? We're kind of doing some Idaho chat as it is. Or what do you think, Mike? You got our schedule. I mean, I I, I guess let's circle back and pick Idaho um, at the end, but. I guess anything else on Idaho, they've got a two-headed monster QB. They've played four guys. Two of them yeah. are out, it sounds yeah. like. You've learned a little bit. Yeah. And tell us what you found in your write-up. I uh, haven't been able to do too much on them yet, but we did see a little bit. So, um, But this Idaho offense is the cat offense of the last couple of years. They're, they've got a quarterback that is a great runner and throws the ball two, three times a game. And then all their other quarterbacks are like hurt, <laughs> and so they rotate in. CJ Jordan's out, yeah, definitely. And Mike Bodry questionable for this game. I mean, yeah. So it's like they're yeah, so irrelevant. On they'll the rotate guys. Unlike Sack, though. Stop doing this. Unlike Sack, they're running quarterback. Well, so Sack's running quarterback still could throw the ball pretty well. I mean, he's a very good player. Yeah, Asher O'Hara. Uh, yeah, Asher O'Hara. He, he went eight of nine. For yeah, like seventy five. Yeah, he had great touch on his too, passes. Player. Yeah, um, they, they're they're running quarterback is just a runner. But the interesting thing about him is, like, every single game he's played, he has had a long touchdown run. Like, every single game. And it's kind of funny. One of the Tubbs guys sent me a note on him, and it was like, 
his numbers will screw you up because he'll have 15 rushes for 90 yards, but one of them's a 65 yard touchdown. And like, that's his, that's his game. And then like everything else is like two yards, two yards, two yards. But yeah, they're, they are, they're beat the hell up, but they've got a, they've got a defense that at least our front, their line and their linebackers are kind of mean and physical. Uh, I would say they have a top five front seven in the yeah. NCAA conference. Uh, what's the uh, linebacker uh, who is Trey the pre- Walker? Walker. Um, is now yep. uh, on either Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll have Trey Walker on the show. Oh, I mean, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, one of their probably one of the best linebackers in the conference, right? Uh, I, mean, I would say he is a uh, top five NFL prospect in the Big State Conference, maybe yeah. top three. So, defensive secondary is not good. Um, not good. Not good. Darian Nash getting a run. Is is Nash even playing? Again, I know irrelevant. <laughs> no idea. I, I, well, I can't wait to go on tubs of the club and get roasted tomorrow. They they're they're two and zero at home. Yeah. They really only, they've only played one Big Sky Conference game at home. They played Portland <coughs> State. Sorry, you got it. No, I mean yeah. like Portland State. They and they they beat Portland State. Portland, yeah, Portland put a big charge at the end, right, and kind of got a little close near the end, but. <laughs> Um, Idaho almost <laughs> Idaho almost yeah right Portland yeah. State Portland State, State woo. Portland State the Kings of the 42-35 loss yes that they when are. they're down 42-7 <laughs> um, Idaho probably I mean they their best game of the year was their probably loss to Davis where they hung around it now Davis maybe maybe, maybe should have beat them and, and yeah and maybe Davis is now starting to crash back to earth tough to say if uh where they're gonna where they're gonna finish up, you know, but um, yeah, it, it just interesting team. And like like Mike had alluded to, there's uh, like if you follow Idaho fans on Twitter, it kind of seems like this is everyone just wants the season for Idaho to mercifully end and Paul Petrino to be fired, yep. and just everyone everything to just like hit the reset button and go uh, start it over because Idaho definitely thought they were gonna come back to the Big Sky and be dominant right away. They yep. thought they were going to win the conference the first year. Yep. Um, what, their best season? They won four games total? They have not and not in conference. Five, they have not gone 500 in the Big Sky yet. Which is, yeah. I, I love it because they were so convinced. And I mean, they were in a bad conference. I'm looking at Idaho's season stats, and I'm not seeing any defensive statistics for Nash. Now, I just yeah. searched him in the participation chart, and he hasn't played. No, but they also have another kid because hmm. didn't, didn't we? Didn't a guy transfer from there to here because he's Petrino's going to be his father-in-law? Because remember, Petrino's daughter played softball here. No, other way around. Other way around. Trace Latexier transferred Trace. there. That's what I'm saying. No, no. Trace. Idaho. Yeah, Trace Latexier transferred there because he's Paul engaged Petrino. to Anne Marie Petrino. Yes. Yes. I wasn't the other way around. I had it right. Oh, okay. Or, uh, I, 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 so I he's on the team sense. too. Okay. What's the significance of that? I don't think he has any stats either. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean that poor bastard those, doesn't have any knees left. Those guys, oh, man. Oh, man. Those guys played for uh, this coaching staff. So that I guy's mean, been in college so long. He was on my brother's Wayne, <laughs> T- Wayne Tinkle all, uh, Class B All Star team at the Wayne Tinkle basketball camps back when Brooks used to help at the basketball camps, which was eons ago because that was when Brooks was still in college. Trace Latexier as a high school kid was still in those. Uh, <laughs> in those camps. So, yeah, he's been in college for a while. Long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they average 380 yards a game. They allow 450. 
They are terrible defensively in the red zone. They're terrible defensively on third down. Um, they're a bad team. <laughs> they're a bad I, I team. Just, I, I don't, uh, they're a bad team that it kind of seems like they're not playing for anything anymore. What do you guys think of the dichotomy in the in football right now, particularly in the Big Sky Conference? Like between the good and bad? or Yeah, like in Class AA high school football, there's no such thing as okay. In Big Sky Conference, there's really no okay teams. Like who's an okay team in the Big Sky right now? Montana. <laughs> Honestly, the one team that I just can't seem to figure out is Northern Arizona. Okay. Like, they lose to Northern Colorado, to but they out. beat Arizona. They suck. <laughs> I don't know, but it's like they lose to Northern Colorado, but they beat Arizona, and they put up a – who'd they play this last weekend? They put up a ton of points. They put up 59 points against Southern Utah. They so, set an all-time program record for total yards in the game. Like I said, so that's just a team, like, I can't figure it out. Well, I'm glad we get to play them. Yeah. Here, Here's the thing, though. Like, I – so everybody always asks me. There's always, like, this narrative and this cliche and, like, almost this expectation to, like, if you're in a position – of publicity or coaching or whatever that you just like humans and fans and everybody wants to believe that sports are linear and everything just gets better at all times, which is just objectively fully not true. And in fact, across the board, most things have not gotten better at all, but we want to believe it is like everybody, Such a positive but everybody God. wants to believe that a kid that's a great player when he's a young guy is going to be a great player when he's older. And that's just objectively not true. Very few people are Eric Berrier where they're good as really good as sophomores. And then like great. Stuts. And then elite. Yeah. Who's like, the you know. QB that the NAU had before case cook is that he won like freshman of the year. And then he just was Jason Murrieta. The same yeah, I was an M. Yeah, yeah. 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 There was a couple of guys in between cook and Murrieta, but yes, for sure. It's just, it's just not linear. But I also just think that it's so interesting now where I think there's a lot of different factors. I think that it's easier to quit. It's not as cool to persevere. So I really just think that, like, teams and players and everybody involved, like, when there's not that much to play for anymore, they just give up. And I think that's why we see this. I, I just don't know what team is going to just like fight to the end. Like right now, Idaho State's one and five. They're picked to be sixth in the league. Yeah. They have the ability to just go win like three out of five down the stretch yeah. and like screw up the whole league standings. Not, like Portland State's yeah, got a great could. quarterback. They could go just like knock off a couple teams. Are they going to though? Like, probably not. Who's Southern Utah, Cal Poly, and, and Northern Colorado going to beat? No, but no, no one unless they play each other. Like, yeah. It's so stratified now, it's awkward. And I just wonder what that does to the discomplexion of the league. The funny thing is, we talked about in previous years where suddenly you get that weird one where Portland State beats Eastern Washington and gives them one loss. And then we're like, damn it, this league's too big. And we get these one weird little wins and we can't get a top seed. And now it's like, okay, Eastern Washington, barring something pretty crazy, is probably staring at the one or two seed, right? But Eastern will have earned it. Absolutely. They absolutely. Absolutely. Because they will have beaten Montana. Sac, Sac State. I mean, Sac State would be interesting. Sac I mean, State they could win enter the playoffs with one playoff victory. And that could one be Montana if we yeah. make it. I mean, you, you could have. Davis a, may stumble. It could be. It could be kind of like you could have a scenario where you've got Eastern as a one or two. You have Montana State, uh, depending on how the brawl goes, as a, what, four, five, six. I don't think Sac. I don't even. I don't think they could win out and get a seed unless there's crazy 
churn in the top ten. But yeah, you could have three Big Sky teams with a seed potentially. Not Montana anymore, probably. But yeah, I don't know. I yeah. just I hate that so many of these teams don't play each other. I just. I just yeah, we all do. I hate this league. Anyway, moving on. The, the stratification of the scheduling this year was so b- bizarre too, because objectively, in my in my preseason schedule analysis, the three worst teams on paper and in reality were Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, and Southern Utah. They all have three of the four hardest schedules in the league too. So it's just like piling on, right? Like. The good teams get to pound the bad teams, so there's like less yeah. room for error. So then, the, then it's like when these primary matchups come up, like that's why Montana State moved, made so much money on Friday, regardless if you think we were going to make the playoffs yeah. or not. Yeah. Like when you get the prime matchup, it's worth so much, more, so, so many more chips on the table. Yeah. So it's like Montana's matchup at Eastern that's worth so many chips on the table. But like Mike was saying, if, if Eastern does run the table. They will absolutely have earned it because they would have to have beaten Montana, Weber State, and Montana State. That's a pretty good run. Yeah. And maybe Davis, depending on how. Maybe Davis. Yeah. Maybe Davis. Yeah. Um, anything else on Idaho? Wait, you might be going. It sounds like we are going. Stacy just texted me and made hotel <laughs> reservations. All right. You stay at hotels still. Yeah. Airbnb, when you, when you travel with kids, you need the pool. You need the pool. Oh, you need the pool, okay. buddy. Factors so, that the non-married, no-kids guy yes. doesn't understand. So, Idaho, Idaho's got two wins. They also, beat, Airbnbs are destroying neighborhoods. They beat... Well, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Nugent, Mike City, Nugent Council. City Council. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got, I got my guy, Andrew Houghton, uh, set up in a $19 Airbnb. Oh, my God. Downtown <laughs> Moscow. Oh, it's $19, $19 it's got, Airbnb? It's, it's got Wi-Fi. It's got its own parking and its own entrance. There's no shower. There's no stove. There's no amenities. But, need you need a bed. And, yeah. So I'm saying, I said, bro, you can take a shower. You can put your clothes on before you drive over there. Yeah. Okay, good. Good to go. It's got a bathroom? Yeah. It's got Wi-Fi, a bathroom, and a bed. Perfect. What else That's you all need? That's all you need? 19 bucks. Dude. That is that is Skyline working on a budget. Yeah. Hey, I was like, hey, you want more money in your own pocket? I was like, I, I, you can have this much money to go there. You can have all that to go to the uh, whatever they name the tubs in the club after. You can have that to do that if you want. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. it. Nice. (laughs) All right, so Idaho's two and four. They beat Simon Fraser from Canada and, yeah, Portland State. Outside of that, um, lost Indiana, lost Oregon State, lost to Davis, and boat raced by Eastern Washington. Um, Can I tell a funny Simon Fraser story real quick? Yeah, go for it. Simon Fraser was the first Canadian football team of any sort to play American League football. Right, American rules football. Yeah. So Simon Fraser joined the Great Northwest Athletic Conference in 2011 when I was co- 2010 when I was covering Central Washington. It was my last fall covering Central Washington when I worked at the Ellensburg Daily Record. So they joined the exact same conference as Central Washington. Central Washington is famous and or infamous for bringing in a slew of Division One drop downs, most of whom yeah. got in bad situations in their last school. Blaine Bennett, the head coach at Central Washington, when Simon Fraser joined the league, he had to hire a graduate assistant specifically to make sure to make sure that all his players had accurate passports because they had this is oh. when the GNAC was playing home and homes. Okay. So every team had to play home and away with in conference play. 
They knew they had to take a bus from Ellensburg to Burnaby, Burnaby, Vancouver, which is, or Burnaby, British Columbia, I guess, right outside Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's like a four-hour bus ride. But they knew they were going to have to stop at Customs, and everybody was going to get the check. I mean, they got guys that, like, have assaulting a police officer, DUIs, like all these <laughs> Just things. Just possession thing. So he truly he had to hire a GA to go through the rap sheet and go through the passports and oh see God. who they could take. So, like, the 63 guys they took were not their best 63. They were the 63 guys that could get into Canada. But they still had two dudes who couldn't get in. They got sent back at the border, and another GA had to drive them back to Ellensburg. Oh, my God. That's my Simon Fraser story. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> was that when you were working there? Yes. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yes, I did a whole story on this GA. That had what to, year was this? 2010. Man, I remember getting across the border in, like, 2000, 1999, maybe. Well, didn't I mean Shelby's like on the border? So. On the border, yeah, yeah. but we were going up to that Del Bonita border, north of Cutbank, oh. not on, not across oh. that the Sweetgrass border. The Del Bonita border is is kind of not open 24 hours a day. But we had this kid in our car from Cutbank who was 14. He didn't have a driver's license. Sure. Craig Smith, okay, great athlete. He's part of that Jeff Larson. <laughs> Uh, led cut bank class oh, yeah. B like dominance era. Um, yeah, man, that was a hell of a class, by the way. Larson might have been like the fourth best athlete in that class Ooh. B uh, class. But anyway, we go up to Del Benita. This is pre nine eleven, of course, right? And they send out the JV squad, man. These kids looked younger than us, like working. And they asked us for our driver's license. And in the back, Craig is like, I don't have a driver's license. Can we get into Canada? They literally wrote down our driver's license numbers on their the palms of their hands and walked back to their booth and came back. And they're like, all right, you guys are good. And they didn't even realize we had like five dudes in the car and they only got four license numbers. They just sent us through, man. Pre-9-11, different era. This is different like era. the uh, guy at the University of Montana security just vacuuming his car. <laughs> vacuuming his this week. Coulter's <laughs> sneaking in without credentials. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. Do we need to move to listener questions? Uh, well, we got to pick the. Oh, we got to pick the star on the conference. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, all right, guys. I actually think we're all going to agree with James this week. But let's start with Northern Arizona going to SAC. Yeah, SAC. I think SAC's going to win that. SAC. Yep. Then we have UC Davis going to Poly. Davis. Davis. <laughs> Then we have Northern Colorado going to Southern Utah. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like we need that. I've said this before. Northern I, Colorado. I was going to say, I don't want Southern Utah to win a single conference game on their last year in the conference. So I don't know Northern if they Colorado. do either. I, they <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, picking, don't play like it. I'm picking Southern Utah because I, much like I really enjoyed Idaho sucking after way underestimating the conference. I'm equally enjoying the McCaffrey band sucking after way <laughs> underestimating the conference. Yeah, that's true. That's very All true. right, Brent, who do you got? Oh, uh, uh, Northern Colorado. <laughs> Northern Colorado? Yeah. Colter? I mean... He said Northern Colorado before. I don't, I don't, yeah, I know. But then I like, I'm thinking about all the things I've said in the recent weeks. 
I, I couldn't believe how uh, poorly coached Northern Colorado was when I watched them against the Cats. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, yeah. the Cats played terrible and won 40-7. I mean, the Cats had four personal fouls in the red zone that caused them to settle four field goals. They should have been up 49-0 at halftime. Wow. Like, perhaps the biggest cheap shot I've seen since, like, the Weber State uh, Montana. return or whatever? Yeah. Like, oh, my like, God. I have to go back to, like, the mid-2000s Weber State Montana when they were just dead set on blowing out each other's knees. Like, it's been 15 years since I've seen a cheap shot like that. Like, Willie Patterson waves for the fair catch. The ball's two seconds from getting there, and they just earhole him. Yeah. Dead on the middle of the field. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe no one got suspended. Yeah. Like, he's totally Bush League. North Colorado has uh, – <laughs> Improve their talent. They didn't get lined up correctly on defense once. And, like, <laughs> Bill McCaffrey just, like, threw the ball to the flat repeatedly. I mean, hey. you guys think the Grizz offense is bad. I know. So <laughs> like, 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 we yeah. are complaining about Chris Brown and his numbers and all that. McCaffrey's are worse. Oh, way worse. I mean, and yeah. dude was Holy a lead 11 cow. quarterback. Like, it's very clear to me that Ed thought he was just going to bring in his boy to call yeah. the plays and his and boy to run the plays and we're going to roll. And, yeah. like, dude had, like, I mean, and he was dude completed 25 passes for 89 yards against Montana. So, I mean, it was like check down city. Like, he couldn't do anything. I, I I agree with the notion of, like, Southern Utah, get him out of here. And, like, they've regressed so much as a program. Yeah. But – I just can't imagine Northern Colorado beating anybody at this point. <laughs> no, I'm good with Northern Colorado getting out of here, too. Yeah. Whatever. All right. They made it that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then we have – who's next? Uh, Idaho State goes to MSU. You know MSU's. You guys are so game. funny. MSU is going to win this <laughs> game. Look, we but want maybe Idaho, Idaho State's State. got two big upsets in them. They have no chance. <laughs> Uh, Weber goes to Eastern. 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 Eastern ain't losing at home. And Weaver's finally, well, who do you think, Coulter? I think the Eastern. Okay. But it would not <laughs> surprise me if Weber State won. Well, that would turn the conference up on its side. I mean, that was, that's the, drama. The right defense. There. Only intangibly. Like, of course, matchups. I mean, Weber's really good on defense. Weber's not good on offense. Yeah, I mean, no. The most underrated part, everybody was complaining about all the lack of first downs and points and stuff on Friday night. The most underrated part of what happened on Friday night was Josh Davis' his season's over. Yeah, he tore his, shredded his knee. Like, I don't know. I'm not diagnosing what happened, but whatever happened was horrible. Like, he got hit so hard that Troy Anderson and Ty Okada were waving the guys yeah. on the field, let alone – I mean – it looked bad on TV. He was crying. Like, it was it was horrible. He, he, he got taken off. I think he got – Carted off to the ambulance, like it was. It was bad, bad, well, bad, bad, bad. No, and Jay Hill, then he's going to play this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Where we saw Josh Davis get knocked the fuck out, and then come play against Montana <laughs> oh, the next boy. week and get knocked the fuck out again. I don't know. Maybe All right, final game. Montana <laughs> goes to Idaho. It sounds like everyone here has Idaho. Yeah, I would be interested in what you guys think in a score. <sighs> Do because again, just Sunday? like college careers, I think that seasons are a lot less linear than people want to believe. It would not surprise me if Montana went and just fully lit it on offense and just won like forty nine to seven. But it also would not surprise me if they looked like shit on offense and like got it out a twenty eight to twelve win or something. Like everything's in between. But I just think that there's like God, 
I'm seeing like I'm thinking like twenty to six. I think Bobby Howe can make a deal with the devil at halftime. If there's any <laughs> chance that they're going to lose this game, I really do, man. I think that Montana's going to pull it all out for this one. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we have some surprise returns, like if suddenly Nick Osmo has a functioning ankle. If one or both of those running backs return, that's how it's going to be. Like suddenly, it's like <laughs> oh, we we've got who knows with X, but it's like oh, we got. Yeah, Osmo and Childs, like, ready to go. Then suddenly we have, like, real running backs. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be low scoring. I just I, – I, mean, I was I was in a dark place Sunday. I was like, we're going to lose 10-7. to That's what I was thinking yeah. Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I was in too. a dark place Sunday. Me too. But I, I, I don't think that anymore. No, I actually – I think it's more likely that we put up some numbers. <laughs> How much I, do you think the stubbornness – like, you're talking about the running backs? Yeah. There was a moment in time where Bobby Hawk was the head coach at Montana <laughs> when you said, like, the sixth or seventh string running back. Like, there was a moment in time when Chase Reynolds was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Andrew Schmidt, I mean, I'll never forget it. Andrew Schmidt blocked a punt. He was one of my good friends. He blocked a punt against Sac State and rushed for, like, 150 yards, and he got hurt the next week. He was, like, the starter for, like, two weeks. That was it. And then he got hurt the next week, and everybody's panicking. And they put Chase Reynolds in against Northern Colorado. I think he rushed for the second most yards in the history of a single game in Montana history. And then he was off and running. He rushed for like 3,000 yards over the next two years. Yeah. So how much of that, though, influences Bobby's mindset? Because I don't think Bobby gravitates into coach speak. I really do think, like he always says, you guys are always asking me about starters and not starters. You guys are always asking me about one, twos, and threes. He said, I don't look at it like that. If you're on the sheet, you are going to play. And if you're going to play – we trust you to play, and you better do your job. Mm. He's not analyzing it over, well, we got these third-string guys in. No, if you're on the sheet, you're prepared to play, period. You and you just wonder how much that influences his mentality across the board. Hmm. I think we score points. I, I think development isn't linear at this age. You see it in minor league baseball constantly. Players will take two steps back before they take a light-year jump forward. I'm an optimist. I think um, Chris Brown is a smart dude. Uh, I think he's going to figure some things out, and I think you know the the benefit of having a veteran staff um, is their ability to coach up uh, yeah. weak spots on a short on short notice, week to week. I'm just yeah worried <laughs> that that Idaho front seven decimates our O line. We don't run at all. Chris Brown gets rattled again. I mean, that, that's that's a possibility. It could happen. A very good front seven by Idaho. Yeah, Mike, what do you what do you what are you thinking? I'm just so scarred. I just I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to say Idaho's going to win? Um, You're not, still in that dark. I'm place. Not quite there yet. <laughs> I there's just no think chance. Montana <laughs> will win, and I do feel like it's going to be a game that Brown gets some. You know positive traction i think that the spin of this game has very little to do with montana despite the fact that we've been talking about montana for hours i don't think idaho's got anything <laughs> i i don't i i mean i don't know man i don't want to say too much but like i'm i'm pretty sure that the narrative that they don't want to play for that coaching staff specifically yeah. the head coach is real you don't think it's real i think it is real. Oh, you think i think real. i don't i mean dude again Andrew Boston was running one quarter speed on his last touchdown. Yeah. Like yeah. these dudes are giving up like 40 yards of completion. Like there's very little effort going on. Like it's not like a contested catch. Like, I mean, 
Talul Limu Jones caught that 58 yarder that was the backbreaker for the Grizz with three Grizz draped on him. You watched the last two touchdowns that Barrier threw in that game on Saturday against Idaho. There's no Vandals in the Nobody screen. Had. Like there's no, it's not like a hard effort. Like there's nothing happening. These guys are not even running with the receivers down the field. So the thing I I would like counter with is in 2009, Idaho State had nothing to play for, and an incredibly sloppy, shitty game. Montana Which just year? 09. Okay. I at Idaho State. Yep. Winless Idaho State. Yep. Undefeated Montana. Yep. And 12-10. You just, yep, with a last-second field goal. Andersell bringing yeah. him back. Yeah, Mark Mariani faking an injury so he'd get a timeout when he caught a pass <laughs> in the middle of the field. Um, but it's like these these weird – like Idaho State had nothing to play for. Right. Uh, but it was like just there was enough like dumb errors through the game. Like what? The Grizz got stood up like twice on goal to go, on the on the one yard line, we had a punt return get mm-hmm. brought back on a holding. Like we was just like, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. We just talked about like the Sac State game. It kind of felt like that happened. It's hard to imagine two in a row could happen, but it's like you give them that spark, and it's seven to seven at halftime. Is Idaho suddenly gonna be like, holy shit, we're in this? And then we got a ball game. I hope not. That's just the things that scare me now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anything there's, could happen. There's I mean, that's uh. The- I got Idaho interviews coming up on my radio show, so I can't say anymore. <laughs> That's gotcha. fine. You gotta say good graces at least a little bit. Oh, you're good. You're good. It's fine. Okay. Let's power move to listener questions. Let's All right. It. So let's lead off. I've got Twitter open. So we're gonna start with a question. We kind of put this out yesterday to see what our fans talked about, but you know that Bill Speltz with the Missoulian had another column this week. I thought that maybe. He realized that he got in trouble with the coaches for being a dick last week because he pulled it back a little bit. But Okay, time out. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but what interaction does he have with the coaches? I was being sarcastic. He hasn't been to a like, Grizz game yet this year. His yeah. seat's next to mine. He's not there. I, I was being sarcastic. Like, Is that right? Like he stepped I'm, I'm just stating facts now. He stepped, I like Bill a lot. He's a mentor of mine. He's a great guy. He stepped he off of his ledge. Game yet. That's a, just He's a been fact. covering other sports. Um Watches on TV. Not a referendum on Bill. I think it's more referendum on corporate news and the lack of staffing at the Missoulian and all that sort of thing. That's he's, he's trying to absolutely he's, fair. He's yeah. trying to get his guys out there, but all I'm saying is like, there's a lot of little things that are indicating. I mean, not just with the Missoulian, but like, I mean, was the Grizz haven't had a sellout yet this year, have they? Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of different things that are uh, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, the head guy at the Missoulian is not at the games. Like there's there's just little things like that are reducing the allure of what Montana wants at. Anyways. Yeah. All right. So his column this week was a little bit more those guys not following the more <laughs> but he Bill said, Speltzy. Yeah, a little more Bill Speltzy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he said but he had a quote. He said, One thought ran through my mind as the Grizzlies left the field late Saturday afternoon with their second big sky conference loss in three twice tries. <laughs> This season sort of reminds me of Bob Stitt's first campaign as head coach. It was six years ago, and Stitt's team followed up a shocking home win over perennial champion North Dakota State with losses losses in three of its next five. Yeah. We are in season three of Bobby Houck. Why is Bill Speltz wrong, (laughs) or is he right? Who wants to go first? He's so unbelievably wrong only because of the <laughs> only because of the level of expectation. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. 
When Bob Stitt lost three out of five down the stretch, he tried to spin it every second that he was alive that it was okay. Yeah. We're building it. It's Montana. We're bringing it. Whatever he was trying to do. Yeah. If Bobby Houck loses three out of five down the stretch, I don't even know what's going to happen, but it would be beyond compare, and it would not be him spinning it as if it was okay. That's it. He wouldn't be trying to sell it to anybody that it was fine. He would, in fact, say blatantly and utterly and unabashedly that this is exactly not okay. Yeah, this is bad. Yep. Yeah. Luke? I I just think it's uh, (laughs) grasping for straws. I don't know. Mm -hmm. His hand's full of straws. Because he's grasping, Mike. Um, I don't think it's a strong comparison. I don't know. I think it's easy to do because, like, we saw a, uh, a fan page on social media, like, with the joke, ha-ha, play caller was a guy with a mustache and a green hat this weekend, yep. and it's Bob's And Stitt, holy ha, crap, ha, the ha. comments on those <laughs> Facebook pages were brutal. And, like, some of you guys I mean, need to call Why are we man. still on Facebook? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's... 83% of Americans spend two hours a day or more on Facebook? Well, that's insane. They estimate estimate that 9 out of 10 people in America log on to Facebook first when they go on the internet. Not Google, not Gmail, Facebook. Get to Eastern Montana have some dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Get off Facebook. So, Brent. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, incredibly lackluster game on offense. I mean, it just feels like you're back in the years in some cases, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if that's. It's tough to say. I don't know. If the only comparison there. for me is lack of execution. Well, I know you've given me a stab at this answer, Mike, mm-hmm. but I've had a second. You're fine. The lack of execution is the only parallel I really see. I mean, I guess the only parallel I kind of see is like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting it to be different and yeah. that kind of happen. But no, I mean, I, I think Coulter hit the nail on the head, like accountability. Like, yeah. I think maybe if the season goes way off the rails, we can revisit this topic after the season. But Coulter's right. Like, if this was Bob Stitt team, that press conference would have been like, aw, shucks, you know, we had our chances. We still are going to, you know, put it all together and make the playoffs, and everything's going to be great. That's true. Yeah. I said it on the My Nuanas Now Today. And I said it here, too. And I'll say it again. The way – there's this revisionist history that when Bobby Houck went 80 and 17 his first time around, that he just beat everybody's ass. It was 49 to 7 the whole time. That's not true. Like Brent was just right. saying, not at all. An undefeated number one team in the country had to pray for their lives and get a last second field goal against a hapless Idaho State team that had won like four games the last three years combined. Bobby Ball was not blowout win. They always found a way to win wins. though because the system. <laughs> One for all, all for one. No star system. We're not relying on anybody. It's the biggest element of control that he can have. But he's going to tee it up for you. And when that moment is there, you must capitalize. And, yeah. again, you can't have a holding on the kick you return for a touchdown. Yes. When you get the turnover, that has to be points of some points. sort, let alone a touchdown. And so let's say they w- – let's just say for the last three weeks – there's been 15 opportunities that has been presented to the players to go and grab and seize. And let's say they got half of those. Montana's undefeated, undefeated. number one in the country. Yep, yep. We're still talking about systematic errors on offense or whatever, but that the attitude and the schematics and everything of the team is completely different. Yeah. They have the swag. They have the edge. That's what they need. Yeah. Well, we got a handful of games that can hopefully get it back. Again, though, 
it's also worth reminding people that in the modern era of the FCS, with the exception of North Dakota State, undefeated national champions are not a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember my first year back in Montana, 2010. Montana State beat Eastern Washington 30-7 to in 2010. And it was like this landmark win for Rob Ash. Montana State vaults to like number three in the country. Eastern didn't fucking lose another game. They won nine in a row and won the national championship. <laughs> they did. Even though they got their asses beat in Bozeman. Yeah. How you respond to your worst loss is what happens. Again, like this has been the case. Like the 2011 Grizz. They lost to Sac State for the first time in their program's history, I believe. Maybe, uh, yeah, 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 it was because yeah, yeah. they've only lost three times, right? Yep. Twenty eleven, they lost to Sac State. They're three and three. Yeah. Yep. Backs against the wall halfway and through then, the season. Yeah, didn't lose again until the until the semifinals, and they were a field goal away to beating Sam Houston. Like, that's what it is. What's the turning point of your season? Yeah, yeah. All right, Twitter questions. Uh, our friend Bear Tycoon says, how do I make the sadness stop? Our friend Brian Marceau <laughs> says, talk to your local vandal. Could be worse. All right. <laughs> What's um, up, Brian? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, this, this must be our, our Big Sky Podcast Network question stream because uh, Thorny um, over from the R&R CatCast says, is the all-out Blitzkrieg actually wearing out players and causing fatigue or injuries? No. I think it causes fatigue. We haven't seen a lot of major injuries. Obviously, Gavin Rob uh, Robertson sat out a little bit. We've seen sick, but that's my thing. It's like most yeah. of our, yeah. most of our stuff on defense has been illness related, not we not haven't injury we related. Haven't had a defender, a defensive player, like a have a season ending injury that I'm. Nope, Todd right. keeps going I, in and out with his knee. Aware of. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just, there's things, uh, but it's on. not like what you see on yeah, offense. I mean, it's, it's very like, oh hard. I mean, you could, like, really extrapolate as hard as you possibly can and say Montana's D-line stunts a lot. So that means they're going to get a lot of backside blocks or cuts. So People the fact that these guys all have, like, lower legs. leg injuries, yeah. is that that's a pretty vast extrapolation. Right. I think the, the painting of injuries based on circumstance is silly in football. Yeah. Like, everybody's always saying, we don't want to play Oregon, that's – more injuries. I've seen some of the most horrific injuries I've ever seen when D1 teams play Fort Lewis. You know, like, yeah. you're going to get hurt playing football. That's it. It's just a straight-up roll of the dice. You just never know. And I don't think I don't think the design of this defense is causing more fatigue than if they had to sit back and cover for much longer. Honestly, the thing is, if we just stuck with a three-man rush the whole time, those defenders are probably – doing a lot more coverage and chasing. I don't know. It's a little bit of both, right? I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. No, I think about the mentality of the strength and conditioning side and what, you know, heavy set, low rep sort of strength training does, which I know is sort of the philosophy of the strat of the staff. Yep. And then the um, pairing that up with like dialing up blitz after blitz you're literally calling upon different energy systems in your body. Yeah. Mm. This is like not mm. necessarily in pairing up like This plans. is actually very interesting. Yeah. But here's the other thing, and I liked what you said earlier, Coulter. These guys don't get tired. They're 21. Like they, they have a different level of fitness than what anyone listening to this pod is used to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's so true. I wonder exactly what you just said, though, because I do think that just broadly sort of knowing their strength and conditioning philosophies currently, knowing the way that those philosophies worked very well in Bobby Houck's first tenure, but then also knowing that that's, that's one of the great uh, undertold stories of this whole thing. Well, my brother, the one season he played for Bobby Houck, he, he would always talk about how Craig Paulson has one play. They run the same play on defense over and over and over again. The only time it ever changes is if it's like a third and 13 in a crucial moment of the game and they might dial up like a nickelback blitz. But I can't remember what they call it. It's like Cub Bear Saw or something like that. Probably in the wrong order of names. But they ran the same play all the time. Because guess what? When you got four dudes in your secondary, they're going to get drafted. And you got Croy Beerman up front. And you got like all these savage linebackers. That's you all don't you need. need to run shit. Yeah. Yep. Run the ball, tackle. Yep. <laughs> one for all, all for one, one eleventh, blah, blah, blah. That's what's so crazy about what they do now, though, because now they run this most unorthodox, voodoo, crazy, scheming, blitzing defense ever. I don't know. It, it does the strength training. Fit, though, because when it's just we're, we're better, we're bigger, stronger, faster than you, we're just going to execute, execute, execute. Yeah. That's conducive to then just being big and, and strong. And what I'm really bastardizing the art of strength and conditioning, too, I want to mention. Like, I, I have to mention this because w- no one here is looking at the programming. Uh, they could look, they could be doing different things by position group, by different age. Sure. Um, I, I've heard that they do a lot of weight under the, a lot of weight on the bar. And, you know, maybe that's just by position group. Maybe linebackers and safeties are doing different types of stuff. But anyway, I I wonder if that many plays on the field doesn't matter what kind of conditioning you do. It could could matter. Mm -hmm. That's 80-some plays on the field. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But I am, like, talking tongue-in-cheek about these guys being 21, but they're also not invincible. Yeah. Yeah, but do you – It's just D1 football. Yeah, yeah. You guys remember what it was like, though, like being in that like high school. I was a lot more invincible then than I am now. <laughs> I would play a high school basketball game and never get tired. I'd play a high school football game and never need to sub. I mean, I'm sure you oh, guys remember Absolutely. This. Like, there, there was no even thought about being tired? What? Yeah, I was like 28 before. I was like, all right, I like coming off the bench because I'm fresh and everyone's so tired. So how much, how, much, <laughs> how much of the concept of being tired is the infiltration of the coaches thinking that it is? Mm. I think as soon as you start talking about load management and depth and keeping everybody fresh, that's when it makes guys think that they can't just play the whole time. Oh, my goodness. The sports psychologist Colter coming out. I here. mean, but for real, but, though. But Bobby rotated guys the first time he was here, he did. too. He did. So, I mean, that, it's not like, yeah. I mean, No, he did, for sure. I mean, we had eight sec- you know, got DBs, so to say, and five to six linebackers. I mean, it's like continue. my favorite, it's like my favorite Mike person story. I asked him once, Montana state offensive tackle. I asked him once upon time, what it was like going against those like Oh seven to Oh nine Grizz defensive lines. And he's like, dude, I couldn't delineate between a single one of their players because they just had this endless string of the same guy. Just like six, three, 245 pound wiry, like Kind of good, kind of not, but, like, total asshole, tough as hell, like, just going, and you never knew which one was who, but they just kept on coming, and there was just a million of them. The eight, I go against eight guys every day. That's, and that's, that's exactly right. Oh, my God. But about, I mean, you go look at the all-time leading sack list in Montana history. Seriously, top 15 guys. Eight of the dudes out of the top 15 
were like part-time at best starters in their careers. Like Lance Spencer was never a full-time starter. Dustin DeLuy was never a full-time starter. Like these dudes were just, you're in, go get sacks. Go go chase the kid. It's yeah. third down, let's go. Go. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, Kyle Sample wants to know, <laughs> more surprising, the loss or seeing Humphrey suited up? Cam Humphrey. <sighs> the loss. I don't think it's shocking to me that Bobby no. Houck put out Humphrey. It's not shocking to me that they lost to Sac State. Yeah. I feel like the, the number one factor in them losing on Saturday was a fundamental misestimation of Sac State. I truly okay. think All that right. Bobby Houck thought that the loss in 2019 was an anomaly that was based upon Dalton Steed getting hurt. In I've heard that in private circles, he was very confident and thought that they were going to whip Sac State. And here's a scene. Troy Taylor, Marcus Hawkins, and Jake Dunaway are walking out of the press conference. Almost never is Bobby Houck there waiting. Usually the Grizz take a little longer because they know the way team's going to be there. There's no real interaction that's ever really seen. The only other time I've seen it in the last couple of years was in the spring game when Portland State was there because Barney did the press conference. Bruce Barnum did the press conference by himself. Yeah. Bobby and Bruce are homies. They're buddies, yeah. So Bobby was there to, like, give it up to him, and then they, like, gave a little show to everybody. Like, they did their little banter, you know, back and forth. Here we are, dots, pretzels, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby was sitting outside the press conference. I didn't know he was there because he was, like, behind the door at the Sky Club. But then when Troy walked out, Bobby said, hey, coach, good game. And he shook his hand, and he said, you did a great job today. I have a lot of respect for you. I appreciate it. Never seen Bobby do that. Wow. Even if Bobby does give it up to him, because he is chummy with all the coaches. Yeah, yeah. But he usually does it in like a, <laughs> I know that I'm the man compared yeah, to you, Way. Yeah. And he was literally like, great job today, man. Excellent job. Yeah. And wow. I shook his hand. <laughs> and so I, I just, I, I don't know. Again, I've never seen Bobby Howick sit in front of God and everybody and be like, we got out schemed, we got out played, yeah. we got out coached, we got everything. And he did in a, in a humble fashion. It wasn't an excuse. It was it was a very authentic moment, and uh, you just have to wonder if they maybe underestimated him. And I, but to me, with the familiarity Sac State had with the Montana program, the ties that those coaches had, and just the prowess that they have, and sort of the anomaly that their program is, I wasn't surprised that they beat Montana. Hmm. All right, um, Parlay asks a good question. That's probably better for the off season. Um, can you rank the top five Big Sky Conference teams' fan bases in order of most annoying when their team is best in the conference? Or <laughs> think they are best? Bobcats. Bobcats number one. What? Uh, the greatest so fan base is across the Coulter, board the most stop. annoying on stop. the planet Coulter, in every scenario stop. that there is. Stop. Why? Because First they're the best fan base. None they're the best stop. fan base. That's stop. why they're the most stop. annoying. Stop. None of the Bobcat fans living right now, okay, this is an exaggeration, <laughs> have any idea what it's like for the Bobcats to actually be the best in the conference. <laughs> Even now, with all these glorified choke years, uh, and they still act like it. What about the three straight Big Sky titles that they won at the beginning? That's of why I said, "Calm down." Yeah, living I pulled though, me back. those guys were no. So that's why I, that's why I, I kind of pulled it back. I was joking. Um, and there are rivals. Honestly, I don't know. I think that if Idaho was ever good, they'd probably be really annoying. Yeah, but we'll never yeah. know. Yeah. Um, 
those, those this three, is, those like, two Northern Colorado fans on Twitter. Don't it, yeah, this is a great question though, because I actually think that every team we could rank is a compliment to the fan base. Yeah. Because if you're an annoying fan base, it means you have a good fan base that cares. I only say that about Grizz fans because I just think that Grizz fans are the best at everything that there is in the big sky. They're they're the most passionate. They're the most knowledgeable. They're the most annoying. They're the most delusional. They're the most irrational. They're everything. That's why you guys have this giant following. That's why I'm on this podcast. Yeah. I like it. All right. Um, Brad on Twitter, Real Brad. Real Brad. Real Brad. Onstott. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Wait. Brad he, Onstott. He's got a clip oh. of Brown rolling out and passing. We kind of debated it. Yeah, we talked we about really, that. We've talked about this on the pod, so I don't really think it's worth it. But you go look at Twitter and you guys can make your own opinions and criticize Brent and I for what we think. Mostly Mike. Shout out Brent. <laughs> All right. Um, Montana Mint, Mint Hot Takes Nate. See, it really is a lot of podcasters today on Twitter. It's like, yeah. He says, how does one of the best wide receivers in the FCS have a 4-33-0 stat line against Sac State? Is it Brown or is it play calling? Yes. Yes, I think we've touched on this one too, but I want to acknowledge that it was a good question, Nate. Um, Brandon Fuhrer says, what football field did Luke hate playing on the most in high school? Oh, my God. I don't know. Cupbank? Like, Cupbank's... Mm, get out of here. <laughs> I don't know. Cupbank... Brandon's you... coaching now, right? Brandon's coaching. Yeah. So he's a Shelby Coyote yeah. who's now... A cup ink wolf. Uh-huh. Wolf. I don't know. Wow. Wolf. Brandon. I mean, he got a good job. Sell out. He's got a nice house there. Well, it's kind of... Imagine the real estate there. <laughs> I, say, I see the listing prices in cup ink. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. look at the Rocky Mountain front, you know, if it wasn't for the town of cup ink, destination location. But I don't, the wolves. <laughs> oldest place. <laughs> My right. God. I don't know. Yeah. What, I uh, never like playing. Was there a place where it was like, Hell yeah! Like I can't wait to play there. Like that. Like somewhere it was fun to go Con- to. Conrad um, was kind of fun because their community's pretty supportive. Uh, the the field is like right in the middle of town. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was always kind of fun. I mean, we never had super competitive football teams. We had one dude who was like a legitimate college football player on our team. Um, so we were never like. And we played against like the Utterbacks in that like Fort Benton, Fort Benton. Yeah. dynasty. Fairfield was great. Conrad was great. They had a ton of dudes, so we were always like the fourth fiddle. Gotcha. So I didn't like playing any football <laughs> in truth, but Conrad always had like a really great, um, which is where Brad is from. Brad Onstutz from Conrad. All right, but they always go. had a great fan base. Okay. Um, uh, Curtis Wallace on Twitter says, "Odds that Bobby pulls another fast one on Idaho and puts in Patterson to run the option." This isn't a serious question, or is it? Not going to happen this week, but funny. Uh, Jerry Keene says, "Hypothetically, this, this is why Montana's so up a creek, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Because what Bobby would do would be, we're going to find all the ways that we can just simplify it and just run it down somebody's throat and Garrett, just get a win that we Garrett need. Graves. And they can't. Yeah." They can't. They don't, they don't Direct snap. All right. Hypothetically, if SAC runs the table and wins a second conference title, how many other Big Sky teams still finish ahead of them in the polls? Mm, that's a good question. Two. Wait. Well, three are ranked ahead of them right now. Montana State and yeah. But one of those, two, one out of those three is going to lose to the other one. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if, if 
Eastern if Eastern lost, they would still stay ahead of Sac in the yeah. polls. Yeah. If Montana State loses, I don't know that they'll drop below. I mean, Sac's nineteen. We got. I and mean, they'll climb a little bit each week with with wins over easy teams. I mean, you could have something say Mont- Eastern Montana. Well, the four of us win out until you get to the, that last week with the brawl. Where's Davis ranked right now? I don't know. Are they out the poll? Well, that's right. They will we end up seeing three Anyways. Big Sky Conference teams in the top ten? Well, that's what it's been. I mean, at the it, end of the year, because like, I mean, if you look at if you look at it, it's like so. Say we went out, we get to the brawl. I mean, I mean, Eastern's gonna be one or two. Um, Cats will probably be top five by that point. You would guess. Um, Grizz should be back into the top ten as well. And so, if a top ten Montana beats a top five Montana State, Montana it, they'll probably like flip. You know, Grizz will go. Six seven and cats will go eight nine. Yeah, I would see. I mean, yeah. Now if yeah if a top five cats beat number ten Montana, then we're gonna fall to fifteen to twenty, and we're gonna be biting our fingernails, hoping that we get into the playoffs. I think we would be as as long as we don't lose anything else. But yeah, mm-hmm. and it would help like Montana's picture if like a Davis falls apart, so that's not like they have to pick. Between us and Davis, who haven't played each other in the conference, you know things like that's that. a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going, Mike. All right. <laughs> um, so Grizzden says, "Are we going to win out, lose one, two, maybe three, possibly go over five? Like, we kind of touched on this. We're going to take it one week at a time." Um, Jake Eris says, "Any sort of injury update on our starters and TD? Our depth has been exposed. Nope. Bobby doesn't talk about injuries." Uh, Joe Babros came back, and then he left the game again. Justin Belknap is in the mix. Deary Todd left again. I think he'll be out indefinitely. Gabe Solcer's out indefinitely. Cam Humphrey, I would say, is between doubtful and questionable. Isaiah Childs is between doubtful and questionable. Xavier Harris is questionable, and uh, that's about all I know. Hooray. Wow. Jeez. Thanks for making us talk about that. Also, how do you feel after the Bozeman State win over Weber? Contenders or pretenders? I mean, they're definitely contenders. Look at their Fact schedule. Yeah, and yeah. their schedule. Yeah, they've got Idaho State this weekend. And they're going to. You guys seal don't want to hear my opinion on this. Well, we just all said they're contenders, so yeah. your opinion is going to be. So you're going to say they're not? No, they are. <laughs> you're going to say they're the best team in the Big Sky. They're the most talented team in the Big Sky. Montana State's the most talented team in the Big Sky Conference. Eastern Washington has the most talented player and the most complimentary players around him. Montana State's the best, most talented team in the Big State Conference. I picked Montana State to win the league, and I'm sticking with Montana State to win the league. We'll revisit this at the end oh, of the season. Uh, oh, wow. In like two weeks when Montana State plays yep. Eastern East Washington. Washington. That's right, two weeks from now. There we go. Oh, my good. I'm going to call into your show. <laughs> Can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. Use your real name this time. Uh, <laughs> what was your old name? You got a really funny old name. I'm not going to out you. It was really good, though. It was a good one. I think you won murders. multiple prizes I, under that former name. I did. He would say, <laughs> and they would give me the prizes. They'd be like, let's see your ID. And I was like, I can't. Well, it's okay, to be fair, my old uh, front desk gal was... <laughs> Living on Mars. She's great. Following the rules. <laughs> all right. Jeff Blanchett says, if all the stars align with injuries returning healthy by the end of the season and even an Ospo or Knight return, do we become title contenders again just in time for a playoff run, or is our D figured out and our offense is still too weak? I think we're at least a year away from being a title contender. I think that that would Are we talking Big Sky or National? I think National. Yeah. One to two. One to two. Years, yeah. 
Do I think that maybe they could run into the semifinals if they got hot? Sure. Like Cats did two yeah. years ago. Well, we're we're, we're going to need to see development yeah. at the QB position. What Brent just said is so true, though. Weaver made the semifinals in 2019 with an offense that looks very <laughs> much like the Grizz. Yeah. One of the differences, though, they they weren't scared to take shots to their very few playmakers they had on the perimeter, and they yeah. had an All-American running back. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, yeah. I think that so many, so much of what the Grizz got going on, if they – like. I think that Junior Bergen is really talented. I think he's yeah. doing the best he possibly can, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I can't believe that this little guy can, like, and that the was fact a they run him up the middle and he, like, gains yards is amazing yeah. to me because he is tiny, yeah. tiny. But uh, you put pre-injury sophomore Josh Davis on the Grizz, and I think that that aids a lot of their you put, issues. You put healthy knees Marcus Knight on this team. I don't know. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's it going to take to get the season back on track? I think we've kind of talked on this. Josh Sampson, good question. Um, if Cam plays next week and is healthy the rest of the way, was our record? National championship. Yeah. National you're right, championship. Mike. <laughs> I mean, we could be any. I mean, we I could. All the, see, here's the thing, though. Like, this is what's so crazy about the manic nature of Missoula and the Grizz fan base and all of it. It's what makes it beautiful, but it's also like. People forgot how good they thought the Grizz were like a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They still got all those like dudes on their ago. team. A week ago. And their yeah. schedule lines up for the next few weeks of not very tough. I mean, I think that they need to play well or they could get surprised by one or two of these teams. But Absolutely. I don't think the sky's falling. They're going to be favored in every game between now and the cap game. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, do these pants make me look snagged? Uh, was the loss of Terre greater than feared given his given the inability of this group to separate from coverage? The consistent dump downs on Saturday lead me to believe that first and second reads were too well covered. I do think that they're feeling the loss of Trey and the wide receiver group more than they thought they would. You know, yeah, but I think, I mean, we've seen some stuff, especially now, where both of our quarterbacks have had significant issues with Throwing identifying the ball downfield. open targets downfield and especially dissecting you know, quarters and cover two and cover three and things like that and knowing where to put the ball. So you could have – and and stuff – and we saw this too, and it's like in the Eastern Washington game, uh, Sammy Akem um, in the end zone gets a ball thrown like five feet short and it gets picked off and it's just like – so you could have all the best receivers in college football, but if you can't get them the ball or identify the defense and – Find the weak spots. I, I don't know. Yeah. The interesting thing is after Akim got hurt last year, Dre blew up yeah. with essentially the same receivers playing around him. Until the cat came. Until the cat came. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then he got blown up. Then he got blown up. Yeah. <laughs> Set the tone for the, the whole yeah. game. Yeah. All right. Uh, same guy follow question. Would Hauk be a better player if he looked for the ball rather than trying to deliver a highlight reel hit every play? Robbie? Probably. I don't know. I don't. Second I just don't think you can change the way he plays. Yeah. I think the scheme, the way the scheme has adjusted, has forced them. A oh man, like how do you explain this as simplified as possible? 
the reason they chose to run the scheme that they do is because they knew the deficiencies that they had when Bobby Houck took the job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robbie Houck, half the coaches in the league, when you ask him if you say, Coach, what do you think of number 17? He says, great yeah. third linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's what they'll say. Yeah, it's cause that's because how he plays. <laughs> in the run fits, he is the, – the whole thing was based upon yeah. filtering it back. Dante Olson makes the tackle. If he doesn't, Jace Lewis makes the tackle. If he doesn't, Robbie Houck makes the tackle. Yep. That's why Robbie Houck's an All-American because he's the the safety valve for The last line for of defense, yeah, yeah. Now the front seven's so good, and the way that they move around is good, and it's so deceiving. There's not a lot of plays, but also the run fits have been altered significantly. So Robbie mm-hmm. Houck's mm-hmm. responsibility to run the alley is almost irrelevant now. He doesn't do that anymore because they clean it up before then. Well, no, runs so well. O'Connell's such a revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those things. So now he's just playing like the traditional one high free safety. That ain't good, not because of any other reason than when you're running zone and you're blitzing, it's a fire zone blitz. The 6'2 sack state receiver can just run in the middle of the field and box you out, and it's just a boom all day. And it's not because of Robbie Houck's deficiencies. It's because of the way that the scheme is working in the position he's playing in that scheme. Yeah. That was a pretty good way to break that down, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, last one we're going to take from Twitter just because we time and, and all of this. But uh, um, what is more shocking to you guys, our longest completion was for 16 yards or the fact that they actually played Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> I was shocked they played Cotton Eye Joe. I was shocked that they played Cotton Eye Joe as well. <laughs> I was too. It begs the question of if they're now okay playing it, why weren't they playing it earlier, even though uh, I kind of hate that song, but whatever. I wonder if the music person got fired after playing it. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> they're just like, I'm doing it. Interesting. All right. You're up, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Going out on top, guys. Going out. Over under 5,000 emails. I asked you guys this on yes, Saturday. You did. Over oh. under 5,000 emails the Where's Montana Athletic Department received about Cotton Eye Joe. Over. Way There's over. no question it's over. The Kaiman, everybody on the Kaiman, they are fully convinced that the reason the Grizz are struggling is because they don't play Cotton Eye Joe. They're like planning. <laughs> I on, love Jack Marshall. They're, pla- get him back on they're the planning on a, a, a editorial all about it. They're on. They got you guys' oh back. My God, that's amazing. Whoa, it's not our. This is not our hill. We're just <laughs> we're just reading what people put in front of yes. us. <laughs> so uh, the <clears throat> the Egress questions. A lot of them were kind of doubled up here on Twitter, and we talked about a bunch. So good because this is a long pod. Yeah, we're almost at three hours, guys. Um, Everett is wondering. Um, Twenty nineteen, we had great success with big, fast, wide receivers on slants, um, quick plays, things like that. Often do their speed and abilities to make safeties miss. Uh, that then turned into you know yard after catch, big, big games. Uh, why aren't we doing that this year? Um, seems to be a good, safe route to helping young QBs in high-pressure situations. My only guess is just quarterbacks don't put the ball in the right spot. I mean, it seems like a lot of the quick slant routes that we've seen that have been catches have been behind. Yeah. No, that's true. I think that that's something Cam struggled with, and I think it's something Chris struggles with too. Yeah, uh, yeah, both quarterbacks. And, and we've talked about this a bunch as well too. 2019, that defense had to watch. Mm-hmm. You had to prepare for Marcus Knight to do things. You had to prepare for Dalton Sneed to fake a pitch and run up the A-gap for 75 yards into the end zone. Uh, this year, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, n- any of that. You just have to sit back and not let anyone get behind you. Just keep it in front of you. So, yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> this is kind of funny. So 503 Grizz asked, he says, was Johansi Humphrey in attendance? He was. He was down on the field, I think, doing that check presentation. Mm-hmm. And then wondering if there's a possibility of him suiting up, which is <laughs> funny. Um, 503 Grizz Coulter also says he did not realize uh, uh, with the Atu Molden and Yo episodes that Yo was initially a DB. He did not know that. So uh, a funny side story, um, uh, a friend of mine, when we talked earlier this year, like if the Grizz could have one player, you know, who is it? And I said, yo, yo, Humphrey, like that's all this team needs. Get Johansi on this team and we're in great shape. Uh, I got feedback. I shared this with Mike. So Mike knows where this is going. Uh, so J.R. Waller uh, texted me and he was like, are you stupid? And he's like, Justin Green and... Lex Hilliard are way better running backs than Yahansi Humphrey. <laughs> like, Yo was good. He's like, but as terms of running backs, they went to the NFL. <laughs> like, they were <laughs> such better running backs. That is such a terrible take. I was like, damn, JR, okay, man. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. <laughs> JR keeping it real. <laughs> and JR also recognized that if you're going to get the greatest of all time in any position, you should get a quarterback. Yes, yes. Indeed. Always a quarterback. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> um,. Yeah, and then this is like, you know, Crystal I Die is asking us about um, personnel like we talked about, injuries, um, yeah, stuff like that. No, nothing incredibly new there. Uh, Putter is asking uh, if we are surprised that there's not been any uh, adjustments made to help Chris Brown. Uh, screens versus jet sweeps. I think we've we talked plenty on that. Um got someone asking me about selling a property would i take the commission donate the full amount to either an indoor practice field uh new men's and women's uh basketball locker room project or buy a suite in name of the gfp suite oh i think the practice field's like life goal i think the practice field GFP is like sweet i think the practice field's like mostly funded can no, I get, they're can I get always the scoop? taking more funding. Can you funding. guys donate the GFP suite to the University of <laughs> Can I get the scoop on that? Can we just get like 300 words on Skyline? <laughs> like a GFP proud suite. quote from each of you guys? <laughs> that would be the best. I tell you what, I, yeah. I, having sat in suites before for stuff, I mean, there's there's like, you get in there, it's like, man, this is kind of cool. The funniest thing, uh, there was a time where I went to a suite and it was a day where Cole Berquist had set a record for the most amount of uh, com- straight completions um, at, at some point, whenever that was. It would have been, what, then 07 or 08. And uh, his dad was in this suite. And because of just sitting in a suite, his dad did not know that his son set the record. I was like, hey, congrats on your son setting that record. He's like, what record? What are you talking about? So it's like, it seems like a lot of people in the suites maybe aren't too connected with the game. I don't know. I was talking to somebody this weekend, and, and the best thing about the suites situation would be the semi-private bathroom. Yeah. Well, we, we got a suite for the uh, Guns N' Roses concert. That was incredible. And you get to stock your own drinks. Yes, yeah. you do. Stock it early. Okay. Does anyone think Bobby has a locker room problem with the team? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I, I think that team knows. I think they have a trust issue in what they're calling with the players, but I don't think it's because they have an issue with the players. Yeah. I think it's the product of, I mean, I sit next to Bob Beers, uh, incredibly tenured, long-time coach, and we were talking a lot. Uh, in the press box, I'm talking about I sit next to him. 
because he still scouts a lot. And, and uh, we were talking, and he was like, you know, he's like, I really feel bad for these guys because these guys have operated their whole careers under the premise that freshmen aren't ready. And now they have to play a bunch of freshmen. And I just feel bad for them because I just, I understand where they're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like his, his analysis of Chris Brown was great. He's like, that is one pretty sucker. He's like, that is a beautiful prospect. Yeah. <laughs> he's the right size, the yeah. right height, the right arm strength, the right mechanics. Yeah. He can't see it. Yeah. It's not his fault. Not yet. He's yeah. like, I just feel bad for these guys that they have to do it. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, very few – Vernon Adams split time when he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. You know? That's like, right. Mm-hmm. Believe I it. mean, the only real quarterback – I mean, you mentioned Marietta from NAU, Darius McGee of Montana State, like Travis Lulay. I mean, I'm, like even, even Burke was, was a pro quarterback, yeah. and he struggled mightily In his 05. first three years. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, he's one of my best friends. Like, he, I w- he would tell you that. Like, yeah. it's hard, man. Like, there's very few underclassmen that thrive. Right. It's D1 college football, man. That's yep. tough. Uh, okay. Montana Jack is wondering, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? And he put after that serious question. NSYNC. No question. I think I like Backstreet Boys more when it was, you know, 20 years ago. Backstreet's back. Backstreet All right. has more bangers, right? They kind of, yeah. But NSYNC, like, spun off, obviously. Well, Justin Timberlake. So J- JT was the most talented in class there. Yeah, <laughs> but like Backstreet, just if you wanted to pick five songs, oh, man. that's it's, it's Backstreet. I think it is. I'm a huge JT fan though. The level of how much more elevated that <laughs> pop music is than today's pop music, as bad and corny as we thought it was then, is astounding. I'll listen to Backstreet Boys album front to back before I ever put a Taylor Swift song on. Oh, be careful. <laughs> be careful here. We're going to get real hate mail now. I'm also yeah. stuck in 98. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that is actually it. CDA did not have an either or would you rather question. Let me just hit refresh. Nothing. Jesus. So All right. We had, like like I said, we had others, but I think in our talk and in our Twitter questions, we've I, hit a lot. We've hit a lot of them. Yeah. So, and we are scraping up against three hours. So, All right. You know, our last two listeners still listening or, you know. Yep. Guys, anything else you want to add? I'm good. Colter, we need you pitch your the trends and the, <laughs> ar- the, the trends and the arc of a season are not linear as much as we want to think that things have to do with the next. It is... Sometimes true, most times not. All this Montana team needs to do is go just nuke somebody, get back to what they were playing like. Everything that's happened before, like they outplayed the number two team in the country on an unorthodox night game on their home field. That team just happened to have the best player in the country at the most important position, and he made several of the best plays of his entire transcendent career. Yeah. And again, I'm not a Grizz fan like you guys are, but I still see a lot of potential. I still think that the coaching staff for Montana is phenomenally good, and I think that all it really takes is they just can't have another misstep. A misstep could cause the linear spiraling that we're talking about, 
But all they need to do is just get the spark again. And it might not come this week. It might not come next week. All they got to do is find it sometime, though. And I've seen so many teams in this league, when they hit that moment and then they take off, you either hit that moment and you crumble or you hit that moment and you take off. And I think that everything's still out in front of Montana. I think the fact that the league's bad, combined with the fact that Bobby Houck's their head coach, combined with the fact that they have endured as much adversity from a just tangible standpoint as anybody in the league, I think that this team is is just fine. My opinion of what's going to happen with this Grizz team is is not changed whatsoever. I think that a, a quarterfinal appearance is absolutely the expectation, and anything more than that uh, is 100% still in the cards. You know, and it's funny too, Coulter, because you talk about that like this weekend. Because I think back, a lot of people will hang their hat on that 2008 Weber State embarrassment loss. Yep. And the next weekend, they did not go beat the hell out of Eastern Washington. They beat no. them 19 to three. That's right. And then it was like, okay. And then you, then it's like, okay. Then it's 43-7, 41-21. You know, uh, 45. You know, that's like now, now we're rolling. So yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes a couple steps to go. Anything for you, Luke? No. It's nice hanging out with you guys. The the six hours hours. goes really fast because (laughs) I truly enjoy all this. This is is more time than I spend with anybody in my life. That's why I'm not married. (laughs) Okay. We need to talk for one more minute just to piss off the rest of the podcast, guys. Okay? We are sitting at two hours, 59 minutes, and seven seconds. Done. All right. Easy. is now 1029 ESPN. Missoula, 4 to 6 p.m. each weekday. SkylineSportsMT.com, all sorts of podcasts and uh, online content there. I'm going on Tubs in the Club tomorrow. Those guys are probably going to bait me into saying way worse stuff than I said tonight. <laughs> too bad we had the lost pod, too, because you guys got me kind of drunk I, last I time. Was say, <laughs> Luke and I talked I said, about that a little bit. I, I was said like, some he's probably stuff. not completely sad. Yeah, that like, that's I gone. mean, I was, you, you know. You told some good stories about a fist fight. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean,. I asked for tequila, and then I got like a big glass of it, and then here we were, and it was it was great, but you know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Britt wasn't even here to experience yeah, it. Was, yeah, it was it hammered, out cold. Everybody that's listening, I can't believe it. You guys are amazing for listening to three hour long podcasts, but that's because you guys are awesome. You know what you do. Our thing is, we get a lot of feedback from people like Luke Rounds or Clixby or other people, and like Grizz fans that live somewhere else where. Uh, 30, 45, 60 minute commute each way is part of their day. For sure. And man. so the GFP, like they get done with it in a day and a half. Yeah. So fills yeah. some time. It does. We'll take it. All right. I think that's all we've got. Yeah. Yes. If we know you, we'll see you soon. I guess I'm going to Idaho. Have fun. If not, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Go, Chris. Fight on.